York Public Library. You got it. Change of plan. The Continental. Can you see that he's received by the concierge? Yes, sir, Mr. Wayne. Good dog. to special lockdown edition of Do You Expect to Talk? This is number 173. <laughs> we might this before we hit record, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as always, I'm Becca and joined by fellow co-hosts Chris and Dave. How are you both? Good evening, folks. Oh, I'm plainly fine, thank you very much. I just want to say I'm a huge fan. <laughs> oh, what? I'm just a fan. <laughs> Quoting the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yes. All right. Okay. No. Attention. And, 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 and so far, we you know, we haven't disappointed. So. <laughs> okay, we're at the end of a series, Becca. Yes. Well, for now. But yes, in our current lockdown mode, we shall be reviewing John Wick Chapter Three Parabellum, or John Wick Colon Chapter Three Hyphen. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so crazy. Anyway, starring Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, Ian McShane, Lawrence Fishburne, Lance Reddick, Asia Kate Dillon, Mark Tukaskos, and Jacob Houston, and Jerome Flynn in this week's random casting. In, in this week's fucking batshit casting. <laughs> yeah. get there. It's nice to see him again, but it's like, what? It would like be it would like be casting the guy who played, I don't know, Mark Hans Draco as like Rodney Trotter or something. <laughs> it would just be like, that doesn't fit. What are you all about? <laughs> It's very strange, but hey, no, never mind. It's all good. All right. Yeah, original music by Tyler Bates and Joel D. Richard, with a uh, script written by Derek Corstad, Chris Collins, Mark Abrams, and Shay Hatton, directed by Chad Helsky, and released 2019. So long ago now. Oh, such a long time. March <laughs> was a long had, time ago. When we had films. Oh. I've just seen Austria and which other country? Italy, or is it Spain? One of the two have uh, banned public gatherings until the end of August. Oh gosh, really? Yeah, that doesn't mean lockdown until the end of August, but it means if we copy that in any way, but cinemas are not going to open much before September. I think France started that trend, well not didn't start a trend, but they shut down things till May, haven't they really? So Yeah, they're all shutting down till sometime in May, that might get extended obviously, but actual gatherings, sporting events, that sort of thing, banned till the end of August, so it's very, very likely again premiership season won't start up that sort of thing okay. a couple of films that were confirmed for july or august i can't remember which ones were yeah, now. I th- oh i think um wonder woman was sometime in august now that that's gonna have to move again yeah that'll probably be next year now i'm the same with um john wick four that was due this summer and now it'll be 
No, it was due. It was due next spring, but next spring that was it. They've got to have time to film it. He was making the Matrix. And yeah, stuff. they need to make it. So yeah. So yeah, well, that's, so they've got they've got Keanu Reeves. They've got um, excuse me, Lawrence Fishburne. So they might as well, you know, whilst they're there, just film them scenes <laughs> while we're here. While we're there, why not? Just, just Morpheus, why are you posing a pigeon? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm a big fan of Duke Spectre's talk. I was going to send him an email. <laughs> big fan of the spy who loved me with a double-taken pigeon. Yeah. Uh, no, even. I was going to say wrong film. God, wrong that's film. a draw all these years. Talking of knowledge. I mean, yeah. it may as well be. It may as well be any Roger Moore film, really, quite frankly. <laughs> it would fit in most of them, wouldn't it? I mean, even for <laughs> your eyes only, which is yeah. a bit serious. Victor Trudansky I mean, trilogy. The only scene it wouldn't work in of Roger Moore's is like while he's trying to break Andrea Anders arm or something. A double, taking, which is quite serious. a double, a double t- t- taking pigeon at that point would look a bit flippant. <laughs> it would be a bold move, though. I mean, <laughs> or or where, where he kicks the car off the cliff. If it yeah. did a double take looking down the cliff and then it Roger, that would be a bit flippant. Yeah. <laughs> I I just want someone to just edit that in. I just. Want to just like... <laughs> Or, or Victor Chorchansky leaping up with the drink <laughs> as him off the cliff, like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, so we... Or oh, what you more turning down BB? It's like, what you more declining sex? He's <gasps> booking his bottle. Uh, or doing the double take as Roger has the compensatory <laughs> whack in the back. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll buy you an ice cream with a very unusual <laughs> <topic>. <laughs> So I love the way we weren't going to do a Bond commentary because John Wick was such a quick fire series. We were going Three months to... later. <laughs> so we are going to do a Bond commentary next, but we'll get to that. Anyway. I get to choose and I'll go easy on you. It's fine. Yeah, we are running low, actually. After the next You don't one. sound convinced, Dave, even though the, you know what it one... is. The one that Becca's choosing next leaves us with only six left to do. <gasps> Unless we want to do a commentary on, like, everything or nothing, or becoming Bond, or <laughs> Casino Royale 67, or or 54. Or, you know... I think we'll have to start scraping that barrel. Yeah. I don't know what else we'd commentate on. Well, but we bear in mind, we have got another one coming up as well, so we've still got, you know, uh, uh, No Time to Die. Yeah, eventually. When that yeah. comes out. Which I think will probably be definitely be at this point be like a November release still. Um, uh, I think that's yeah. I think that's likely. So so by I'll the time off, we get to the end on of home it, release about yeah. yeah. Or we can just commentate from cinemas, particularly if there's social distancing. There might be only four of us in each screen. What <laughs> 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 if I talk over this? Well, I'm sat at the back. It don't matter. <laughs> anyway, going to a cinema. Do you remember that? What's one of the What's one of those? I'm, start, I'm starting to miss that. I'm starting to miss going to see, watch new films. Oh. Yeah, seriously. When when all this is over, obviously apart from seeing my family, um, that'll probably be like the first thing that I do <laughs> go to the cinema, see my family, and then go and see a film. Yeah, I'll do it the other way round. Believe me. Yeah. Um... <laughs> but... We'll come and see you, Dave. It's fine. Oh yeah. No, I was just like. It's funny because I've never been much of like an outdoorsman, particularly. I grew up in front of films and shit like that. Doesn't mean I don't like outside, but I'm not as driven by it as a lot of people. And all of a sudden, I've become like pining for the fucking thing. Do you know what I was watching earlier on? I was watching that series with um, 
Paul Whitehouse and fucking uh, Bob Mortimer fishing. Oh, okay. yeah. Just because I wanted to look at what something gentle looking at fucking lakes and stuff. <laughs> it's very calming, though. It's quite relaxing to watch, isn't it? It's and it's quite good. It's on um, the, for those in this country, it's on the iPlayer. Uh, both series of it. They did two series of six episodes where they just go. One of them is down here somewhere. One of them is sort of down in the River Tamar or something. But um, yeah, they they just like it's really gentle. In a minute, at this rate, I'll be like Kane in Doc Martin by the end of the fucking. Month. <laughs> I don't I don't dislike that, but the idea that I'm watching stuff that's got countryside and sunshine in it, where I'm a, I'm hey, an what's happening to you? I'm an inveterate inside city boy who just happens to live in the countryside. I've even found myself going out for a walk and thinking, thank God I live here. Because, like, I moved from a city to live in a much, much smaller town. And it's because I can stay away from people much easier here. And also, there are several walks that are part rural. No, that's really, that's quite lucky, though. I mean, I do kind of feel like my auntie sort of lives in, um, in South London. Um, and she's able to get out to, like... Yeah, Richmond Park and those sort of places. I mean, if if they're open. Where in South um, London does she live? Richmond. Um, she's actually near Brixton. Um, but there are kind of like little sort of local parks that she get out to. But obviously, she you know travels into into the centre. Um, and mm. it is it is quite tricky when a lot a lot of the open spaces aren't aren't open, you know, or, or sort of closed um, for unnecessary you know journeys. I think she has been stopped a few times for for travelling so far. So it's kind of. But, you know, I think eventually she does want to make the move. Obviously, not this year. Um, down here to the south, um, it would be a bit easier for her. But I think at the moment, I know she's she's struggling a little bit. But it is, as I say, just if you do, you know, listeners, if you do, live, if you're lucky enough to live in the countryside or sort of semi, you know, urban area, but you've got a lot of green space, then you know, try yeah. to make the most of it if you can. I appreciate it's difficult. It's not ideal. I mean, I'm getting bored of the same walks now, but I'm trying to... Oh, no, this is bit. it. I saw yeah. somebody on, on Facebook say the same sort of thing. Obviously, they're kind of going around... He's in my it, city, you know. Rich said that. Yeah. He took photos the other day, and he took a photo of... Look, a amazing. He, he I took just saw his phone. But he took a photo of a pub that's on, like, a little island in the middle of a street. Oh, cute. If you look back, you commented on that photo. I did, yeah. I have a look There's at that a one. There's a street opposite that, that, like, behind him that I used to live on. And literally, oh. in a straight line, if those buildings weren't there, about 300 yards away was where I moved from. Oh, really? Get. Yeah. Oh, fun fact. And where he lives now, I've, I've lived around there, and so I've lived everywhere in that fucking city. He's been everywhere. Um, oh, it's funny, because he said he was getting bored of the walk, and I, I was about to say, I'm sure there's a nature trail in behind, and he, he, that's where he went. But he found it for us. Yeah, I just went somewhere. You'll know the city at least as well as I do. But um, occasionally you think, hang on a minute, when I drive up that street, I can see like lots of trees in behind. There must be a nature trail in there. Yeah. Yeah, he is a bit limited there. It, it's, it's very urban where he lives. But there you go. Can't be helped. But um, yeah, it is he, what it is. He, he took. A, I'm sure he took a photo of like a, a garage, like a filling station, like a Tesco filling station. You know, I have bought hundreds. It still looked amazing. I have bought hundreds of pounds of alcohol in there, <laughs> <laughs> and one and one or two pints of petrol while I was there. I was going to say. <laughs> um, that was somewhere you could pop before eleven very quickly in the car. I didn't live very far away. So yeah, he, he's kind of around my my air, where where I'm from really. Yeah. yeah. That's good that you've got a little green space around you, so that's good. Yeah, I live about twenty miles away in Cornwall now, in a much much smaller town. He lives in a city of quarter of a million people. I live in a town of about ten thousand. Uh huh. So yeah. 
Fun fact, books. But I still go to the cinema in like Plymouth and that. It's still where I go for. Well, I'm, I'm not there much. Better. I wasn't there much less than when I lived there, to be honest. I thought I was moving out to the arse end of nowhere, but it, it, it's not too bad. Actually, it's lovely. It's commuter belt from there. Yeah. So we've got a few more months of this. Oh, dear. Um, but the. I, I keep reading the wrong articles, you know what I mean, when you're reading it, so we may have to maintain social distancing till 2022. I'm thinking, I'm not getting any fucking younger. Don't say that. Know. It sucks. You know. Don't but, say uh, that. I know. But there you go. Well, I'll, I'll, do my, I'll do my applause for you now. There we go. Hey, before Chris jumps in, we're just hedging our bets on Chris. Remember how he had the voice of an angel? <laughs> oh. Well, now, with his correct PPE. In memoriam. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> When's that album coming out? Um, well, you know, the, obviously you can't get to the recording studio, so... Um, <laughs> Posthumously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, having difficulty getting the band together to... Yeah. You know, uh, we are going to have to discuss lazy cash in options in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Um, so, Chris, how's life with you? Yeah, how, yeah, how are you doing? Working more than the other two of us. I'm still in a job, but it's um, it's not as hardcore as yours. Yeah, me too. Uh, no, it's been absolutely fine. There you go. I mean, good yeah. to know. Well, obviously, you can't really say much, but that's good to know. Yeah, well, you know, it's. Uh-huh. I mean, as I, I think, I think I mentioned last week that my my workload has decreased somewhat just because how yeah. we structured it. Uh, um, we're not seeing uh, much. We keep like anticipating, like, all right, okay, it's like this now, but it's just going to shoot up, yeah, and mm-hmm. we're not seeing it, so we're kind of like thinking it might just stay like this until it's over, and then gradually get back to normal. Um, yeah. But who knows? I think I think we're kind of like at the peak now, so probably this another week, maybe it'll start to go down, it'll start to kind of maybe start to decline. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But um, it's got to decline a lot, though. I'll say that'll be a big well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, to 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 do. I mean, you know, I'm, to, I'm talking about sort of new cases and things like that. I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because uh, bear bear in mind, what you have to remember is, uh, you know, the the two week supposedly incubation period is just a bit. You can't gauge. Yeah, no, that's true. And so, the illness and so, is unpredictable in how long it lasts as yeah. well. In that, a lot of people are over the symptoms in about a week, and I think you've got to go something like three or four days without a fever before you can be comfortable it's gone. Mm. And um, I have read examples of people with it who are on like getting on for a month. So yeah, because it, it, it depends on what you know what so, are the symptoms you might have, or if you've got any underlying problems could, that might exacerbate it. It could incubate for any for over two weeks and then be in your system for a month. So, yeah, I mean, yeah. things we just don't That's... know. We don't know who's got it. You don't know. You know. I mean, I could have it. I could have it and just sort of infecting everyone. Everyone off oh, the street. But if it's a, supposedly, I mean, I don't think I have. But oh, no, yeah. that's true. Yeah, you could probably have it, but you could probably not show symptoms of it. Or well, some people are asymptomatic. They're saying. Mm. And I, I think I think quite a few people already have had it. Yeah, I probably don't know about it. But um, I mean, I keep I keep hearing of the guesstimate that about ten percent have had it, but it's a guess. Oh, really? They don't really know. Ten percent yeah. is low. You, it would be good news if it was like thirty or forty, but yeah. Mm. 
But oh, we don't oh. we don't know at this point. We don't we can't honestly even say because yeah. you know, we are all, we all, we only know the people who've mm. been treated. Well, no, I know, and I, you know, we will stop making jokes about Chris in a minute because it is actually quite serious. Yeah, 20, it's, I mean, with, with you guys, you know, you're kind of on, uh, on the front line as it were. I'm was, not. So. I'm not on the front line at all. I'm, I'm working from home. That's not to say they won't say, "Can you come and do?" or "Can you come and do this?" But um, I mean, a 28 year old pregnant nurse died today. Oh gosh, yeah, uh, I heard they, about they that. Had, they, had oh. to do, uh, they had to do an emergency cesarean That's to a... save the child, and she died. Mm, um, she was heartbreaking. Working, yeah. So, yeah. Um, Absolutely heartbreaking. It is fairly serious. And I, I, certainly some trusts are really struggling with protective equipment. And I, for the first time today, heard what our situations were in certain teams. And it's not a healthy situation, certainly. No. We've got some, but not a lot. Yeah, we've been told to like like wear masks and things like that just while on the wall, just to start spreading to each other, supposedly, which... It's annoying. <laughs> it, 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 yeah, it must be frustrating. It, it is because it's, it's it's a bit more time time consuming and it's just not pleasant. It's more, more frustrating because it's all or you feel. A little Do you bit mean more... trying to work with a mask on? Yeah. So even when you're like you know obviously you know uh, patients are kind of kept like within like their, incl- their own enclosed room, like sort of rooms areas things like that. So so before you enter, you you put you, you put your your mask and all that stuff on. And then you come out, and then you off. But but now it's like you have to put a mask on, or take it off as you come out, and then put a new one on. Just when yeah, you're if, if, if you go between you patient and patient, you've got to change it each time, but haven't you? you I guess. Yeah, but just when you're going out, so we should, so we're just going through masks of going shitloads of masks. But it's oh but it's almost like it. It's just like an extra um, nuisance. Because it's again, it doesn't feel natural. It doesn't feel right. You feel a bit. Yeah. You you almost feel like. There's that barrier as well between yourself and, and the client uh, patient. On the plus side, I mean, you yeah, can yeah, add I mean, try, any I mean, kind of insult at them. I mean, try like you know, trying to explain what you're doing while your face is covered and they're harder hearing anyway. You know, it's not. Yeah, the fucking, you know, isn't it? It's it's yeah, it's you know, it's fucking, sometimes it's near impossible. You know, uh, it's like well, you know, I can't take them my thing off because you know, no it's have to but yeah no, there you are but there you so, are that's, yeah, that's life times. we'll probably we probably will update you on each podcast while we're all sort of I don't know there's just something about we'll look back on this and it would just be nice to capture our thoughts at the time but we'll try not to be too negative I mean I did mention the nurse but apart from that yeah we're all we're all okay we hope all our listeners are okay mm-hmm. as well yes Thanks hope you're all okay I mean, it'll be different for Chris because of his line of work, but thankfully I haven't heard of any uh, anyone close to me or even colleagues that have got it or been or, or you know anything like that yet. So um, no, I've had some friends that have it, given but, but the luckily they've been I've fine. In, I mean, I I know an awful lot of nurses who are now on the front line. So and they, they were talking about protective equipment today. So they'll be in the more more funnily enough the care home side of things uh, as much as anything else because. Mm of the group I work for. Yeah, that's the one thing I'm, I'm most, well, obviously worried about as well. So, yeah. Uh, but no, I just say, yeah, I think you guys, both of you are doing fantastic work. Keep it up. Superb. Yeah, as I say, Chris, Chris, more, much, much, much more than me. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just there to support any way I can. That's all. But um, I'm, I'm working from home and my workload is actually slightly patchy because most of my <laughs> job has disappeared for the time being. I mean, it will come back. 
Um, <laughs> but there you go. So yeah, I mean, I've, I've got pulled into some stuff today. That's that's got you know that needs to be done, and it is about what we're doing with people when they're coming out of hospital because they're being discharged early for obvious reasons, most of them. So a lot of like reablement stuff in community hospitals isn't happening uh, a lot of homes aren't taking people we're having to negotiate with the homes on who we can let in there mm-hmm. in terms yeah. of staff because they literally want us to de- designate staff to just them who don't go anywhere else and isolate from their own families and stuff like that so um that that's where we are and obviously yeah chris is much more frontline because he's in an acute ward but yeah that's tough we're more the end because I'm obviously in the commissioning group. So for my area, so it's much more about what we're doing with people when they're to, to clear bed, bo- bed blocking basically. Um, and a lot of homes aren't are either not taking people or they're only taking people under very, very specific circumstances. Um, yeah. And we, and we obviously health and social care has effectively been pulled at the moment. So yeah. e- even figuring out who you've got and where they are and when they went there, it has been a bit of a mission. Yeah, it's a bit of a nightmare, but you'll get it sorted definitely. I think because everyone's having to literally pull their resources. Yeah, yeah. So stick with it, folks. Stick with us, folks, and we hope this cheers you up a little bit. Anyway, let's, maybe we let's, can bring you a little bit of let's this portion. To be fair, but, um, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, right, John Wick three, the last one we're going to be doing for well now. <laughs> yeah, at least time. I think John Wick four will likely be. Um, uh, delayed but let's just see let's see so this is the end of the sort of current trilogy becca it seems First. like bond or marvel isn't it uh, you know just kind of waiting for the next one but as the end as you say the end of the current cycle for now yeah what did you make of this then becca because this was your first viewing it was definitely yeah i saved up these films for the podcast um i was thinking about oh how what was any three films so far how would i rank them um and i kind of thought oh god this is the longest of the bunch or oh, a bit of a hard slog um but loved it actually <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah, it's quite good actually. Um, I thought, you know, it's going to be kind of more of the same, which is which is no bad thing. Um, my comment earlier on Twitter about kind of walking slowly down hallways in our bulletproof mm. <laughs> bulletproof suits, um, but no, if, I thought it wasn't possible for the action to get any better, and, and it is. Um, it's probably up there. It's always kind of like sort of balletic in terms of the um, uh, choreography. Um, I'd really blown away. I just think it's fantastic. Um, Obviously, there are some silly scenes with, like, Jerome Flynn, <laughs> random casting. Um, but no, I really enjoyed it. And yeah, but it I think was it so might... silly, I laughed at it. I did, I really yeah, no, it, it took me out of the film. I'd had a bit of a comedy film. moment. Yeah. yeah. We, we've Austin Green was busy, so... I was going to say, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what is the other one? Yeah, yeah. We need someone to play an Italian. It's like... <laughs> right. We've had it's Italians in these soldier. films. We had Ita- we've had Italians in this film. You had Franco Nero last week. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, like, I mean, obviously he's not in Italy either. So, no. I mean, he, essentially, he could he could just turn up and done, done his Cockney accent, couldn't he? Or, yeah, exactly. Or, you know, he or wherever played, it is he's from, yeah. Yeah, he could have played like he, he could have been like a suave man of uh, of you know, international man, like you know, could have turned up some of the world and or, melody on home again. Or if you do, also you could play like you know I'm a kind of like you know I'm I'm a Cockney gangster type sort of figure like living in you know yeah let's come back to, to Jerome Flynn <laughs> Act Two is the big problem with this film but anyway um, would you say this is your favourite of the three Becca um yes I th- yeah I think so definitely um if I did yeah I did have to rank them but it, it that doesn't mean that 
and you know they're, they're sort of bad films for example like the one that would appear last on my list doesn't mean that it's bad if that makes sense no, um, but no i kind of thought oh I, I don't know if i'd enjoy this but um but no i really did um just it is yeah. basically as, as we, at the top of the film, we were talking about um rotten tomatoes and how some of the easy reviews aren't that great but um well, we are, oh that was off here wasn't it yeah yeah, yeah. it just yeah off, off script, Shows off how relaxed we are doing these podcasts these days. We never know. We forget whether we're recording or not. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're yeah. into one. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I blame lockdown, quite frankly. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I just think it was. If you know, like, uh, you, you guys and you know Chris in, in particular as well. Um, I know you are you know really fervent sort of action action fans, um, and I was kind of doing some reading around you know this the sort of film, how it was made, how it was all put together. Um, I think you can really see the amount of sort of care and, and the detail um, that really goes into you know the the fight scenes and like the the climactic scene towards the end, which we'll get to shortly. Uh, well, later on, um, I think you can see how meticulously that has been planned out and choreographed and, and practiced and, and rehearsed as well. And I think that re- really sounds really stupid, but it really shows on the screen. You can see like the, the level of detail that's gone into it and how it looks so polished. Um, but in, in that same in that same sense, um, it. For me, it didn't come off as like it still seemed real. It still seemed quite um, quite visceral, if that makes sense. Um, but now I was just blown away by it, quite frankly. So I'm just gutted that I didn't get to see it on the big screen. But really enjoyed it. Oh, there may be marathons next year. I thought I think, I yes. think some cinema chains <laughs> will be desperate to make money any way they can. You know, they'll be like, I thought, you know, if if Alan Partridge ever wanted Monkey Tennis commissioned, <laughs> just now's the time to do it with the entertainment networks because they're going to be desperate for content, film or TV. Alpha Papa sequel, fabulous. I think he must do a this time movie. I'm pretty sure that'd be great. But whether or not they would have him back, I don't know. TV shows, uh, they're doing a second series of that. Or if they did a, um, oh god, another trip with him and, and Rob Brydon, the trip to somewhere. There has been. There has been in the last few. Oh yeah, yeah. There's another one, but I wonder if I'll do another one afterwards. I watched it yesterday. I literally watched it over the last couple of days. The Greece one. Yeah. How how is it, by the way? Is it because I thought the one one Spain was a bit bit let down. Uh, The Spain one kind of bored me. I don't know why. Because I mean, they just sit and talk and eat food, and all of them, they're all kind of similar. Um, But the the Greece one, the Greece one is really pretty. That and the, the that and Italy are probably the two best looking in their way. Although I love the North Yorkshire one. Um. And again, like the Spain one finished with Steve in quite a dark place, so does this one. But it's just really pretty. It's just lovely. It's just easy watching and really lovely. It's all the same stuff. Guess the bill, doing impressions and stuff, but it's it's great. No, they're brilliant. Like when they are doing impressions, especially if they're trying to outdo each other, like yeah. there's that one where they're in the restaurant and they're trying to kind of out Roger War each other or out um, yeah. pain each other, for example. Yeah, you have that. All the time. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing lots of different impressions this time, and they haven't sunk in which ones. I can't really remember now. Uh, they do bump they do into so many. It's didn't a bit they? meta because they do bump into the gl- the guy that was on the beach in the film he shot in Greece around that time. So oh, yeah. um, read and stuff, but it's um, yeah, it's really nice. It's 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 really really pretty. And as I say, at the moment, I think that's all eye candy because we're just stuck a bit stuck in but yeah i liked it i, li- I liked um the trip to greece for anyone listening uh steve coogan who obviously is best known worldwide as alan partridge bigger in this country than anywhere else and a guy called rob bryden who's probably best known for gavin and stacy as a, the sitcom although he's done a range of different things um they they go on these sort of trips together 
sort of sponsored by a newspaper or two different newspapers or whatever to go around and review restaurants with whatever. And it started about 10 years ago in North Yorkshire. Yeah, they've been going for ages now. Um, they they did one in Italy in 14. They did one in Spain in 17. And they've done Greece. Well, this year they probably shot it last year, but it came out this year. And um, they're all kind of similar. But if you went and looked them up, you might f- happen a- across the film version. Because what they'll do is they'll do six half an hour episodes adding up to a shade under three hours. Um, but they edit it down to a film that's like about 100, 110 minutes, something like that. So if you do look to seek them out, try to get the episodic version that's screened on UK, UK TV, not the abridged film. No, stick for the series. There's, there's much more content. But yeah, no, the, the Grease one's really good. But don't wait for stuff to happen it's just two guys sitting around having a chat in fact sometimes the little bits of plot they throw in are kind of unwelcome because it's kind of like i don't care i don't you know what i mean i don't care what's going on with his son i just want to see him sit around and eat food and talk shit yeah but um just do impressions and that and just yeah and like you know and uh it does play on steve coogan's reputation as both a womanizer and not wholly a particularly nice man but the very fact it's very knowing because he plays right into it you know, he's he's quite egotistical. He's always kind of um, trying insulting. to take himself a bit too seriously. Yeah, like... he's always he's always mocking Rob Brydon's um, accomplishments and big <laughs> up his own. Yeah, although they're, although they're clearly friends, clearly friends in he, life. You can tell that they are, you know, really good mates in real life as well. They can have that level of kind of banter back and forth. And so, hey, uh, yeah, I mean, it's fictionalized because I mean, in this, uh, he's got a, a son. I think he's got two kids, but we see the son. And in real life, he's got one grown-up daughter. Um, yeah, obviously, that, yeah, that's not who Rob Brydon is actually married to, and things like that. So it's fictional. No, yeah. <laughs> but all their career accomplishments are the same. So they do sit around and like he's grandstanding about Stan and Ollie in this series a fair bit and stuff like that. So yeah, it's really good. So what did you think of John Wick Three? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, John Wick Three. Uh, I don't. I think I'm kind of. I mean, I've not heard not heard your opinion yet, Dave, but I, I think I'm on similar lines to you. Um, I, I it, it's they're all very enjoyable. Uh, this this one flies by. It it looks great as well. Uh, I I think one of the big improvements of uh, this installment is uh, the villain is particularly great this time round. Um, the I think the the main problem is I mean aside from the action, which I think is probably is probably the best in the series, in, in terms of into the sheer scale, on just the sheer stunt work, like the the mid sequence with the dogs. I just I sat there each time, and thinking like how how like the amount of work that must have just got into that, uh, it's incredible uh, when you, when, you th- when you stop and think about it. Plus, also you also have like the the raid guys thrown there as well. That's all good, um, but yeah. I'm always a little bit stuck with this because I kind of felt like they kind of should have gone for a trilogy but then decided to continue on and I think it kind of stalls what I think they should have done I, I, I think I think it's kind of the plot went in places where it didn't necessarily need to go and I don't know whether that's just my own personal bias because I remember listening to like a podcast with the, the writer of the um uh, from the time of the second movie came out, and he he, he referenced like uh, a man from nowhere, and and stated that um, oh I kind of think uh, John should 
find himself in a place where, um, you know, because at this point he's only ever acted in his own interests, essentially. He's only, like, sort of done things to sort of, uh, from, from his point of view. But this time he actually sort of, he has to sort of do something for someone else. And I thought the idea of John basically a marked man, nowhere to run, hiding somewhere, sticking his neck out because he just feels like it's the right thing to do, would have been a great thing to do, great place to take the third film and possibly end the trilogy. But they didn't seem to go that way, or at least they kind of like done it partially and kind of like want to do another another installment of the franchise. So I think it's kind of the setup for the setup for four is a bit of a stretch as well. Yeah, and in execution, in the way they do it, you just go. I mean, even down to, I, I think you'll know what shot I'm referring to, but I'll keep it to when, we, to when we get there. There's a shot at the very towards the very end of the film where you just go, shouldn't have seen that, but we'll come to it. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, I just feel like the in terms of story wise, they've kind of dropped the ball a little bit, and I don't know whether that's because well, my, well, my feeling is the fact that um, they they decide they took they took the decision because. People are liking these. Can we get another film out? And they they've kind of they kind of sort of stretched it out a bit to kind of eke out another film. And I'm 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 left mm. thinking, yeah, you you know, as much as I love John Wick, and I'll show up and watch like you know another six of these or whatever. I just think maybe that was like the maybe they're stretching it. Maybe or, or you know, in, in terms of like, I did. I, I mean, I, did, I am. I, I'm very much like a rule of threes, generally speaking. Like, I like my trilogies. You've got your, mm. you know, beginning, middle, and end. That that's perfect for me. Um, but yeah, I do wonder whether, do wonder whether like they've kind of dropped the ball potentially. But then, as I said, I I think I might have gone into it being a bit too biased, expecting one thing and then not getting it. Uh, but then that says the the villain this week is is particularly great. I, I think we almost went a bit full circle in this film in that the, the film starts as sort of John Wick on the run versus the world. And we end up with John Wick kind of on the run versus the world. And I just think like that, that whole film was almost a waste of time. All, all they've given us is... All they've given themselves is a CG problem because they're going to have to CG out his finger now in every fucking scene that he ever is ever in for the rest of this trilogy, unless he puts some glove on with some implant in it. That you know what I mean. Unless they can do some way to c- cover that up, um, that's going to be a problem. Um, the first act of the film is kind of what I thought the whole film would be. I thought it was going to be John Wick versus the world in New York with him not knowing who's round what corner. I thought, you know, almost like an Assassin's, you know, I'm, I haven't played it a lot, but I remember some of the Assassin's Creed games have had like multiplayer functions where the whole point is to like pretend you're a non-playable character almost and sort of take someone by surprise, you know, step out of a crowd and stab someone and that sort of thing. And I thought that film, the film was going to be a bit like that. The first act of the film, which is, I think, about half an hour. I think it's almost to the second half an hour, actually. I think if you take to when, when you know, I think it's... I've got to, I've got to get the order of scenes right, but... Yeah, it rattles through, doesn't it? As Chris said, it kind of it goes in a blink of an eye. It does kind of... It moves first, at quite the pace. Well, the first act is, is great. I've got real problems with the second act from a storytelling perspective, although, again, the action's very good. 
and I've got real problems with the third act. The third act is um, where we see the most of, of the really great villain. By villain, we're not talking about the adjudicator, by the way. <laughs> we're, no. not, we're not talking about the adjudicator. Um, just before I go any further, very early in the film, you hear uh, TikTok Mr. Wick, the TikTok man. Yeah. TikTok Mr. Oh, Wick. Yes. I don't know if you recognise the voice or the man that was Jason Manzukis, the uh, husky oh, voice, the huskiest yeah. voice member of the How Did This Get Made podcast. You know uh, what? I was like, where do I know that voice from? Yeah. Oh, I feel really bad now. His yeah. business interests are so varied. <laughs> Jason Manzukis, <laughs> How Did This Get Made that. package. Uh, one of the one of the podcasts I do listen to and think I couldn't do that if I tried. They're so good. How did this <laughs> but. Um, so the first act is just, it, it's just got this incredible flow between set pieces that they must have sat and thought about before they even ran into like the film, you know, how they would fit in the film. But they cover all that nicely. It's got a logical sort of flow from one set piece to the next. The action's brilliant. We'll go into it as we go into it. Um, but then it kind of slows down, starts touching those points of lore again, where he, he's got this sort of ticket so to speak, quote-unquote, to take him to, it's Morocco, isn't it, Casablanca? Mm. And that whole sequence of the film makes no sense. We'll talk about it when we get there. And he sort of, he goes there to achieve something that he immediately undoes at the start of Act 3. Yeah, I thought Act it was a bit silly. But I think it's quite a good location, though, considering he is kind of... Visually, ex- it's great. Ex- ex- excommunicado, I guess. But, and he's kind yeah, of he's against the rest of the world and it's kind of especially just, within Casablanca as well it's kind of it's a melting pot for so many different nationalities and different sides different countries so I think it's if you, you, you wouldn't know if someone was about to step, step out of a crowd and things like that no it's, it's very it's kind of it, that's the impression I get I've never been myself but a friend of mine who's oh, an avid well. traveller been all the way around the world says it's pretty much like that in real life but I kind of think yeah. even though for plot reasons it's a little bit silly I just think it's kind of um I forget the word, um, but it's, it's the right place for him to be at that time. It, it frustrated me. I could see why he wanted to get out of New York, but then it, his whole task is to achieve something that he immediately shits on. And instead of someone saying, yes, go and meet him at this hotel, it's it's follow this star until you can walk no more. And I'm thinking the obscurity of the law in this is ridiculous. And then you've got the adjudicator and the whole behaviour of this world. I remember saying to Chris on a summer review at the time, I a I think the film has finished almost where it started, which makes it a little bit of a waste of time in some ways. But also, they are now getting to the point that you cannot understand why anyone would want to work for this world at all. Anyone would want to be part of this world at all. They're they're really not selling this to me at all. Uh, it's all right to sit in the continental if you behave yourself and drink fine drinks and you know use old fashioned phones and stuff like that, but. There is nothing now attractive about this life. So from a story-wise perspective, I actually think they've kind of shit the bed in this one. But they've dialed back on some of the worst. But I mean, he does feel more vulnerable than he did in the second film, even though mm. we've established these suits are bulletproof. He, he seems to get hurt. I mean, they're certainly not knife-proof. Um, I, don't no. think, I don't think he had <laughs> bulletproof suits this time around, though. I'm not sure he did. The film doesn't really address it. I mean, they certainly... A knife cuts through one early on. Mm. 
uh, although it's what he was wearing at the end of the second, so who who knows? Uh, the visuals until the last act aren't as as nice, but it's a bit of a sort of quantum of solace feeling with some of the lighting in it. Yeah, uh, just kind of, not quantum of solace. Sorry, Skyfall. That. Skyfall. I meant sorry. You know that sequence. Okay, sorry. In Macau, uh, not Macau. Where was it? He went to to have that fight. Uh, Shanghai. Mm. Yeah. Shanghai. Um, yeah. There's a little Actually, bit London. of that to it, and they get him in a very nice suit towards the end of the film. But that fine that final act, even though the second act's the one I have the problem with. On rewatch, it goes on too long. I must admit, some of those repeating action sequences where he was kicked through glass cages, you know, glass stands, I started fast forwarding them because it just went on and on and on as he went down yeah. this corridor, kicked through another thing, through another thing, through another thing. And those are expensive. Know, until Zero's on, when Zero's on screen or Ian McShane's on screen, it's great. Without him, less so. Uh, but the whole sort of coming back, you know, trying to shoot people and then finding that they're, they're, you know, they're wearing armor, you know, that doesn't get pierced too easily, and them coming back and getting more, and Ian McShane hanging up on the adjudicator multiple times. I enjoyed it. I think it's the, I'd probably put it second in the series. I think it's, I think two was prettier, but the action was getting repetitive. The action here is staggering. In several scenes, we'll get to, and. But it, it's losing the tightness of that first film. It's ten minutes longer again, and a whole act of this film, whilst visually inventive, is a bit of a waste of time. And that's where is I am. Film, is the next film going to be ten minutes longer again? Probably. Um, that's it's probably, 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 probably going to be two and a half hours or something like that. It's falling in. It's falling a bit in love with itself. Mm. Um, which is a, a Chris observation on films more often than it's one of mine. I have to stress before we go into it and I start picking a load of fault. The bar on these is really, really high. Mm. The worst film in this series is still a very, very fine action film. I'm nitpicking compared to an original that was just so tight, was tight as a drum. But what has really made the difference is the action is so, so good in this one. And I think that's all I really want to say on it. Yeah, the only thing I I mean, I'll slightly disagree with, uh, with you, Dave, on the you know, John basically ends up where he started again. I mean, I mean, yes, there is some, you know, parallels, the fact that he's back in New York, you know, everyone's technically gunning for him. But I wouldn't I, take me too literally, but you know what I mean. Yeah, about but I think circle. if I was, say, like, the director, like, or the producers, whatever, I, 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 I would probably say, well, no, this, they're probably setting up, because um, I think they're setting up war against the high table itself, because, you know, obviously they've... They, they're very keen on like you know doing the whole thing about full you have to follow the rules and things like that and i think what i found with this is uh, winston followed what he thought was allowed in the rules like well it's like it's my discretion i, I can give it i can give an hour notice fine you know um and the high table thought no we don't like that sorry no we 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 are giving we, we are we're, we're we're sort of over edging ourselves to 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 nudge you out, so to speak. And the same thing know, goes. But the react the reaction is only ever a step one step away from a red hot poker up the arse or something. <laughs> it, 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 it is it is really show your fealty, show it, show it now. And it's, like, <laughs> well, it's poker time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but you know, I think they're they're setting up like the fact that you know um, they're going toward the high table, like hit. Uh, Winston and uh, the Bower King. 
and, uh, yeah. and things like that. So, which again, it expands, it incorporates the larger world of of you know of the series. But uh, again, it's it's the um, it it's John it's John it's John Wick who we're here for really, and it's his yeah. initial kind of you know as 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 little dialogue as it is, as, as much as like you know it is Keanu, uh, Keanu Reeves. Like he's, you know, we feel something when he dog when his dog dies. You know, we, we get the connection, and it's that kind of like driving force that we're there for, really. Aside not from just, the action, not just the puppy. So yeah, so as I said before, like Paddy you know, Perry didn't get a puppy's out. So yeah, we... <laughs> I mean the, the the idea that he's in the position that he's in, and he's like, right, okay, well, I'll just like have a life hiding away, seclude myself, and then and then sort of see something that would endanger his his life probably you know kill it but feels like it's the right thing to do regardless it's just such an obvious better way to to go forward and i'm just like annoyed that it didn't do that to a degree i mean so, i think if you're gonna end every film with him still on the run and still on you know still excommunicado or we know he's like being drawn back into the life yeah. any variant of that is going to have a lifespan because eventually you just get to the point where it's like, I'll oh, just fucking kill him for God's sake. I mean, I, I'm here for the character. I enjoy the character. I like the films. But if he's never going to have his measure of comfort, his quantum of solace, or recommit to the life or whatever, and we're just going to keep ending on this, how much grim is it going to get for him? Yeah. I think it will eventually just get tired. The risk of him going to a new town and just helping out people under risk. The only the only thing that like occurs, a one man A team. Two things actually sprung to mind. The level of risk with it, it reminded me of the seventies Incredible Hulk. Uh but oh, yeah. cinematically in the last decade it I'm would be a bit it would be a little bit Jack Reacher actually. Yeah. Probably which I, which I wouldn't mind necessarily. I enjoyed the well, I enjoyed the first Jack Reacher film. Um yeah, so I I don't know. I mean, I, I the the devil's in the detail, but certainly at the end of at the end of the first act, I thought fucking hell. You know, the first act absolutely blew me away. Mm. And with that, shall we discuss this film sequentially? Yes, let's. So and why not? Um, so we start we get a very nice cycle sequence. You know, with the all the you know sort of the the markers and things like that. Yeah, and so, we pretty much start where we left. Uh, you know, John, he's on the run, and we have this countdown of an hour, and the yeah. and that is surprisingly tense. And the funny thing is, I don't know how they've managed to make it that tense. In the if he's running down the street with forty three minutes left, right, and we're going, who's going to step out? Well, it don't matter. There's forty three minutes to go. Yeah, you know, until he's in the library and hidden away, which we'll get to in a minute. From public view, there really isn't any risk, but it's surprisingly tense. Mm-hmm. Particularly with this sort of telephone exchange, trying to get ready for it, and um, I only have one small problem. All the women had like loads of tattoos, which is part of the iconography, but the tattoos did look like they'd just been transferred on that afternoon. <laughs> you know, after a while, tattoos look like you've had them a while. Uh, they look like they, you know, won some as a consolation prize in a, like a raffle. <laughs> so, 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 what, so what you're saying is they should have just sort of like hired hired a bunch of like uh, elderly female act- actresses and just tat- tattoo- I just I just tattooed them. It's like sorry, this is the role. <laughs> yeah, 
no, that's the role. No, but, you know, you're just muddy. I don't know, dirty them down a bit. But, yeah, no, it was just an observation this time that I was looking at it going, you could just tell that woman had nothing on her arms two hours ago. <laughs> but anyway, um, but I like, I've, I've always liked the sort of, um, it's, it's almost a, a, a punk version of a historic setting. Mm-hmm. It's it's like yeah, it's kind of like a steampunk version of like, like Casablanca, Agent, for example. It's like Agent Carter era, all played by like people who've been through some sort of dystopia. It's, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of really cool. I like all this. It's very hipster, like it's like you know, old fashioned, but with modern twists. But yeah, with a, with a new twist on it, it does look amazing. So he starts with a uh, bounty on his head of fourteen million, uh, and Ian McShane's sort of looking at his phone because mm. he's. Just been told it's about to happen, and he's you know yeah. So he's uh, yeah. So he's there with uh, Chow, and he he sort of we we have the line is sort of like well you know we've got like the the whole whole city uh one one a piece you know he's on on his own. I'd say the Mm. odds are fifty fifty. Yeah, and I like that line. It's cliched. On I think if you gave me a script of these films and I just read them one after the other, not knowing how the films would come out, I would sigh at that line. But it's brilliant. It really, really works. <laughs> well, but, uh, but bear by, by this point, you know, you, you know who John Wick is. I'll so tell you, you what gotta... it reminded me of. You know, you know when you watch like First Blood or something, which is a film I like, and, and we might do the Rambo films one day, although Last Blood has kind of put me off that a bit. Um, but Colonel Troutman, when you watch rewatch First Blood, it's less obvious mm. on first viewing. But he spends the entire film just talking about how amazing John Rambo is. That's, <laughs> that's all of his dialogue that isn't addressed to John itself. And yeah. it's cliche after cliche. Um, it's a little bit he, like he's that. Sort of, a... He's sort of to ignore things like pain. <laughs> can, yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah, pain don't hurt. It's like, by definition, it does. <laughs> actually, it does, you know. Uh, <laughs> because it's pain but anyway um so then we uh then he, get, he heads for a library mm. i don't know how this system works because yeah. presumably they're not part of whatever brotherhood this is but he stored I something in a book he has to be confident no one else is going to take out so he, he goes and asks I, it's, for just, a it's just lucky there wasn't a queue really wasn't there <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. It's fine. There's no line. It's all right. Oh, he's, like... he's got this like LD old, old, old person at the front, yeah. just sort of like taking the time, sort of like, oh, I'm just another thing. I'm... It's like, oh, for fucks. Fly fishing. <laughs> I forgot my card, dear. Yeah, fly fishing by JR Martin. Do you have? Yellow pages. I'm gonna have a wank if you find it. I like the phone book for Hokkaido, Japan, please. You just imagine. Well, we did have a copy of that, but it's gone missing. It must have been stolen. I mean, it's in a hidden part of this place. But yeah. no, he goes. He goes to find this book. It's something Russian, isn't it? Russian history or something. Yes. Yeah, um, and it's basically got a photo. Of, he takes off like he turns to a certain page, peels off that page, and underneath is like. I think it's the ticket and a picture of his wife, isn't it? Yeah, it's like he, he's got a... Um, it's ticket a, cro- being like a cross. A, a ticket's like he, a, a He cross, refers to it? it as a ticket. It's, yeah. a, it's his path later. We'll explain it when we get there. Um, what he's calling a ticket is another sort of trinket for this world, really. And there's a marker and a photo of his wife. I forgot the marker was there, but obviously it would have mm, to be. A photo of his wife. And then, and then he gets accosted by not Richard Keel. 
<laughs> Technically, he is Richard Keel. Yeah. Uh, a very big guy who just reminded me of Jaws a bit. It's he's not exactly a dead ringer, but it's just if you were going to cast someone as he's Jaws, quite big, that, he's imposing. Be he's Richard Gere. Very brutal. He is perfect casting for a henchman in a Bond movie. That kind of like art. Yeah, if you have a remake, that's love me or me That's not exactly. He's not exactly ugly, but he's very very odd looking at the same time. And yeah. I don't really mean he's got that. a unique appearance. Yeah, slightly European as well. Yeah. You know that, yeah. that 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 kind of thing. Alternatively, so... he would turn up as like a rival hitman in the Bourne series or something. But he, um, yeah, he, he turns up and he's like, "I've uh, got ten minutes left." It's like he's like, "Who's yeah. gonna know?" Yeah, who's gonna know? So he attacks John in like a the library aisle on a sort of deserted floor of mm. a library in one of the biggest cities of the world. But yeah, okay, they were unpopular books on that level. Um, um, he's actually a, a basketball player. Um, I think he's. I think he might be Russian. Uh, no, uh, Yugoslavia. There you are. But not NBA. Or is um, he Yugoslavian and played in the NBA? I'll, I'll, I'll be able to tell you. I don't know that much. Um, I was hoping for a full career retrospective. <laughs> if I'm I can't even oh, pronounce his name. But anyway. uh, I can't. I can't remember. I don't know where am I looking. I don't know where. What and uh, Boban Majorovic or something like that. Uh, special base, uh, place for Dallas Mavericks. Boban Majanovic, yeah, and I've got him. Ernest. Yeah. I've got him. Yeah, he, oh, he, NBA. Yeah. The photo of him with a basketball in his hands, I've never seen a basketball look smaller. <laughs> yeah, like eating like an apple. Yeah, well, it's not quite that, but I nearly made a joke like that, like a tennis ball or something, but he's seven foot three. Yeah, he's huge, he's that from, guy. And he's from Serbia. He, well, mess with it, was, him. it was Yugoslavia when he was born, obviously, yeah. And for John Wick Factor 3, we will be the world. An MBA on, yes, whatever that is. I'm presuming he was in the MBA. Anyway, don't matter. So, um, really, all I want to say about this is it confused me on the suits because he gets stabbed through kind of the top of his right shoulder, doesn't he? John, Mm. that is. Um, And I don't think he's immediately aware it's gone through, which makes me think, has this suit... Is it adrenaline that stops him noticing? Is it the fact that there is some protection in this suit and he's not sure if it's gone through? I don't think that's ever made clear by the film, but it's not important because we buy he's in peril in a way we didn't in the second one. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, and the he's, way he like, kills he's injured. He's injured. He knows, like, all right, okay, I've got limited time. I'm bleeding out. And importantly, out. he's been injured early in the first fight. Yeah. So that makes me wonder. I mean, it may just be a plot point because of where that leads to him needing to go next. Um, and to uh, outline that there is very little help out there for him, or it might just be they rewatched the second film and thought we've gone a step too far there. I kind of hope it was the latter, but it works. Mm. We don't know what the deal is with these suits now, quite, but they does—they don't appear to be completely protective in the way that they were in the second film. Yeah, definitely not. So uh, basically, basically, he, oh yeah, he kills him with the book. Yeah. And I always like that about John Wick, that he's famous for killing people with, like, quite inoffensive items. Yeah, sort of everyday objects. It's quite brutal, actually. It's, it's very clever, but yeah, quite, quite grim. It, it's, of... a, it's a great way to start, because you've also got, you've got like, this really sort of tense build-up, you know, the, the, the ticking clock, you know, him, you know, trying to get somewhere, you got the countdown, and then this, you know, this huge sort of, you know, lanky, sort of tall, unusual-looking guy is like... 
is like picking a fight with him early, and you think like oh, you go fight sort of straight in. That's quite striking, isn't it? Yeah. It just kind of you, you hit the ground running, don't you? Pretty yeah, much. Yeah, exactly. Also, the it, he, he's got no choice but to be no nonsense with this. He's in yeah. a hurry. Yeah, um, yeah, I like it plays on he uses what's in his environment yet again it's a different wrinkle in action we haven't seen him do anything quite like that it's like you know it. What, it's, it's, it's more almost, intense isn't it over two it's almost like they've set themselves a challenge it's like well what, what's an innocuous object to kill somebody with I don't know a book Okay, well, actually, he could have a book in the library. You could almost re- reverse engineer the thought process. I mean, we might not be right, but we might. It does not seem be like that's what they've done, but in a good way. So he's now he's now cut on a he's now cut in the shoulder quite badly. Uh, he, he, uh, the way he ends up, he ends up like smacking that guy breaks it. He breaks that guy's neck against the book eventually, mm. doesn't he? Which I, yeah. is just a wonderful shot. I love it. It's gruesome, but I love it. Um, and then he goes out and jumps in a taxi, doesn't he? Taxi. Yeah, because well, he sends a dog to uh, the Continental. Sends... Yeah, but he get, he's in the taxi first, and then he, he. Oh no, sorry, that was to go to the library, yeah. wasn't it? Because so, yeah. he asks for the New York Public Library. Because it stuck out to me: do people going to the New York Public Library in New York say New York Public Library? Surely you would just say, "Take me to the public library." But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's, it's you, you. You're all. It's confusing, isn't it? It's you're confusing. In New York, John. Um, but yes, he gets out because the traffic's too bad, and the dog is sent off to the Continental. Yeah. So yes. So um, and it's, it's, what a good boy this dog is. Mm. Wait. He's the goodest boy. I love him. He's brilliant. We have. So um, he's now part yeah, and he has, I've got more doggy facts coming up at the end of the show. He heads <laughs> off for he heads off for a doctor. Yeah. We, sta- we getting... established with the Bowery King as well. Like you know, he's like you know, he's like yeah, we'll 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 honour the excommunicado. Uh, so we keep getting like these reference points to you know what the characters are doing now, um, but yeah, John has to go and see the Doctor we saw in the first film. Right, remind me what happened in the first film because I recognise him from the first film, but that's now a few weeks ago and I haven't rewatched him. <laughs> it was a while at, ago. What point, at what point in the first film did he see the Doctor? It was at the Continental, you know, when just before his fight with uh, Miss Perkins. Okay. So he's like oh. patching them up, and yeah. So it's a, it's the same guy. He was in his hotel room. I remember yeah. that now. Yes, I remember that now. I just I, I knew I'd remember as soon as you sort of said. I just mm. was curious because I couldn't bring it to mind. Um, so yeah, the Bowery King, which is still a character that doesn't work for me, but let's wait for part four. Uh, nothing wrong with Lawrence Fishburne. Nothing wrong with the way it's played. Nothing wrong with the sort of iconography of it balanced against all these fine suits and stuff. Um, a lot of it is it tends to be set in natural light because he's often outside so it's either in daytime you know overclouded or at night or whatever so there's a lot about it I like but I think because I don't fully get the character I don't and what he's really for um, it doesn't really quite do it for me and it's it's the it, underworld baby yeah when it yeah. Comes, back, comes back to it a little bit later and it's a bit better when when he starts having conversations with the adjudicator mm. that that makes a bit more sense to me but at this stage it was like why are we cutting away from john but you're right it's actually setting around it's everyone's reaction to what's happening to john yeah yeah absolutely um 
So yeah, I love gets, this. He gets to the doctor with how long's left? There's about six minutes left or something. No, less than that. I thought he's literally got like a few minutes, like five five minutes or so or, or, okay. or, or less than that. He's literally there in the chair getting stitched up watching like the last thirty seconds just like <laughs> go and he has to stop because you know, it goes it goes past the time, it's like and he's like, you know, you just They have... really do respect the rules of this world, don't yeah. they, generally speaking. Um, I, I suppose this film does show us the um, consequences if you don't. Mm. What did you think, Becca? Was this all? How how was this playing to you as a first watch? Um, I didn't get a chance to breathe, quite frankly. <laughs> no, it's pretty much the same as you guys. Really, it's kind of you know breakneck pace that sort of thing as well. Um, I think this is going to sound really stupid, so please forgive me, everybody. Um, but it's one of those films I sort of had to watch twice. Um, I think that's of... why I'm asking though, because I don't, I don't think that's an embarrassing thing to admit. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's not because I didn't, not not I didn't get anything, but it's just because yeah. there's so much going on, and obviously I've you know seen the other films now. Um, but it's one of those films you have to just sort of let it wash over you, and then you can go back in and do like a deep dive, or just you know go and pick up on all the little details that you might have missed. Did it play um, the second time? Oh yeah, no, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, but it's just kind of one of those, obviously, because it was. The other, you know, the other day, and it's kind of one of these, um, one of those films where you do, you, you know, it's got kind of. Bear in um, mind, me and Chris had seen the first two multiple times before we saw the. Well, film. exactly. This is. It. I mean, so I've, I've seen, I've seen it at least of, of all you guys. So. I'm really not insulting you. I'm honestly not making fun of you. I'm, I'm genuinely asking, when you're not that familiar with the first two and you've seen them, but you know, certainly it was a little while ago and stuff, and you come to this one, is this all making sense? And oh I think sure, what, no, yeah, no, definitely. I think, I think what you're saying is, yeah, but it helps if you watch it a couple of times. Yeah, it's just one of the things I say. If you haven't seen it, you know, if you didn't see it the first time around, or you might have missed it. It kind of, it's one of these films where it, it's kind of they do obviously follow one from each other, um, and they're quite good. And it is a bit like, um, as, as you were saying, Chris, it's like a proper, you know, proper trilogy where there's like a beginning, middle, and end, and they they do follow one from each other. It's not like you know many years later, or they kind of. It's got that kind of linear sort of narrative wandering yeah. through yeah, it. The only clunky bit is the start of the second one, but that's just because they didn't know John Wick was going to be a hit. You know, well, uh, yeah, it, yeah, they didn't really know that, did they? That's the um, only thing. But th- this, this one kind of... flows on perfectly. I mean, they, they could have shot them back to back and you wouldn't notice the difference. Exactly. And sort of, am I right in thinking this is kind of an origi- original property as well? Like it's not like a, something from a, from a novel or a comic book or... I, I don't. I think it is an original property. Yeah, Chris, do you know? Do, do you know different? Uh, as far as I'm aware of, because I think it was um, originally when it was the first John Wick film was written, uh, the idea of him being like an older character. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be essentially, you know, like almost like someone who, uh, someone I imagine something like Liam Neeson would play back then. Mm. Uh, okay. But yeah, but it's going to be like a lot more. Probably like, not Liam. Have made that film already? Taken, but yes. Something like that. Say, yeah. Isn't that called Taken? No. no, yeah, but you know, but it would be someone like you know a, a much older character, and it wouldn't have been less sort of um, hyperactive in its action, so to speak. It would be a, lot, a bit, bit, a bit slower and a bit more kind of stealth. Yeah, probably. You know, you know, a bit more laid, uh, stripped back, and you know, a bit one of those type sort of things mm. um, originally. Um, I mean, it wouldn't shock you if you read this was based on some manga property and it's been westernised or something. Mm. Um, but no, to my knowledge, it hasn't been. I mean, listeners tell us different because we haven't really got time to research it now, but I've never read anything that suggests this was based on anything. 
No, I mean, I, I know, like, when it, when it first came out, obviously I missed them at the cinema, but I kind of thought, oh, is it is it another... Obviously, you've got Marvel in full flow or Resident for example, and I kind of thought, oh, because it's quite... It's quite brave for, for a studio to do that at the moment. Obviously, you've got Keanu Reeves, massive star, and this, you know, the, these three films have, have attracted, you know, the brightest and best of, of the stunt industry, um, attracted big names, as we've seen from Jerome Flynn. I'm going to keep on making a point of that throughout the film. Throughout the review, we will talk um, about. But it's got you know the kind of the best and brightest that kind of working in, in the stunt and, and choreography you know in, industries and indeed in movie making. Um, you can see that Keanu Reeves himself has put in a huge amount of time um, to really cultivate himself in this kind of role. The quote I heard from him is that he does all his own action, but not necessarily all his own stunts. No, I mean the, the scene where the car sort of goes into him. Obviously, that would have been it. I think, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. But well, yeah, no, I think it's you know probably one of the few. Demonstrably, him, yeah. Definitely, and you, you know you can see that, and he, you know he takes pride in that, and he's he's very ha- he's very hands on. You know, trains really hard, trains really fast. Um, and he's good yeah. at it. Exactly, no, I he's think... fantastic. I mean, I, I kind of feel for a little bit because he's, he's got this of... reputation of being a bit wooden and that sort of thing, but at the same time, well, you know, he is, he's... but it doesn't deny his physical talent. Exactly, exactly. This is it. I mean, and you know, he's as I was reading an interview, and he said, I think it was with Halle Berry, and he said, oh, he's Obviously, the character of John Wick is a, is a man of few words, he, but he doesn't need to say a lot. He doesn't need to convey a lot of dialogue. Um, he can. They he gave can him emote. too much to say in the second one. Yeah, that, Again, that, that was, was perhaps another flaw. I, I can't remember if I covered it in the review now, but I've certainly said to Chris on some reviews and stuff in the past that I felt like they gave him just a bit too much to say in the second one. It wasn't wildly too much. But no. But just give him, you know, give him enough, definitely. Well, he kind of does it in, in terms of physicality. He's got it in spades. Well, I know that I've referenced this in the past on one show or another, but I, I often think of Keanu Reeves and I think of The Matrix Reloaded, where he sits in that park talking to the Oracle. And he's so flat and monotone and bowing his head and trying monotone. to look serious. And that's how he is when he thinks the material's serious. But then he's surprisingly good at humour for someone with quite a monotone voice. Uh, he's incredibly he's hilarious good at action. I mean, he, he's actually got... He's got a ton of talent. It's just that you have to shape what you're giving him to his yeah, strengths. Yeah, kind of really work. And his, <laughs> his strengths aren't sat down delivering loads of expository dialogue. It's not what suits him. But he's, I mean... He's really good at everything this film asked him to do. Definitely, um, and especially behind the scenes as well. I mean, he's, he's I think there was, a, I'm pretty sure it was side by side about maybe making process and about the types of films used and things like that, for example. But, you know, he's he's adept, as we know from his, you know, his, his film career so far. Um, he's adept in front of, and you know, both in front and behind the camera as well. Um, but, you know, just go back to your original question, as I say, I think it took me a couple of goes. I went once just kind of let it wash over me and to kind of, you know, amalgamate everything all together. Um, and then again, I can go back in and, and just kind of pick up all the little bits and, and plot. But yeah, it was, it was fine. But, you know, it took me a couple of goes, but that's not... You were following it, it you picked up more like yeah, okay. um, so, because it had been and, a while. So you you may not have remembered that Doctor and stuff like that. I mean, we covered the first John. Something like that as well. And um, then, you know, the, 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 the voiceover from, from How Did This Get My Podcast, I was like, I, I know that voice. Why does he sound familiar? Oh, yeah. And it's not until you kind of get into the minutiae of it. Um, that you can, you know, you can fully appreciate these things. Yeah, Jason. That's my, that's my roundabout been, answer. <laughs> yeah, Jason Manzukas has actually appeared in a few things you've seen, but t- generally in yeah. fairly small roles. Um, I mean, I've, uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, I've seen him in a few things, largely as like he pops up here, there, and everywhere, a, a now, voice, doesn't he? But yeah, he does. He does pop up in various things, and I'm struggling to remember what without looking, and I'm rather not look at mm. the moment. 
He was in The House and Dirty Grandpa. I know that on the top of my head. I didn't see either. That's the thing. Um, but I did, so there you are. I can picture. <laughs> I can. I can picture him in like an office, somewhere, and I. I just can't remember what film that was. But it doesn't matter anyway. Um, uh, yeah, it'll. It'll probably come to me. But yes, he's appeared. Apparently, he was in Doolittle, but just as a voice. Um, it may even have been TV because he's done quite a bit of TV as well. But anyway. Um, yeah, so he, he he ends up, but the doctor insists he shoots him because they won't believe he didn't go over time, even though we see he did not. Um, John finishes his own stitching, which just made me think of yeah. um, made me think of um, what's the film Master and Commander, where he did surgery on himself. Um, oh God, it's been a long time. Uh, yeah, um, and I always had a bit of a first. I every time I see someone giving themselves stitches, I always think of First Blood as well because he did that in this. <laughs> And in First Blood, it really pulls on the skin when he does it as well. Oh, so it's kind of sorry. It, it is a bit unpleasant to watch. Um, but yeah, he come he, he gets out of there and is immediately set upon. Um, and it sort of leads to what is it like a weapons shop, I suppose? It's kind or of is it an antique, antique, isn't it? It's like it's an, an antique, antique weapon shop, shop isn't it? Because yeah. it's all knives, guns, axes, and that stuff. You sort of expect but, but none of it looks new. Of it to pop up again, being his gun sommelier or whatever it is. Yeah, he, he picks up like this old like sort of western cuisine. Oh, I don't know. I'd expect more like um, uh, Peter Cushing's character in Top Secret or something, <laughs> just like <laughs> running an old bookshop or something. It's got kind of an old worldy feel. Chris Yorkett goes, <laughs> goes in to try a gun, um, and it's demonstrably we know nothing in this country about guns, but you can see it's an old gun. Um, and then he's he basically starts bastardising a gun from different parts doesn't he mm. so it's, it's probably one of those films where I mean like if you know if you're like a, a motorbike enthusiast or if you're a car enthusiast or if you're you know really into antiques and, and old weapons it's one of these things like unless you know a lot about them you can kind of you know you can't properly you know appreciate but this is this trilogy of films as well like you really can learn about these sort of things I, and that sounds really stupid but as an outsider somebody I'm not really sort of into those things I mean everything you know I know about the cars of like the Bond movies like for example um but it's kind of one of those you know series of films that you learn a lot about like suits or weapons or you know certain types of martial arts for example uh, you can learn a lot from these films for sure and that sounds really silly but I just thought it's, it's worth pointing out well we're still in act one we're still on the ticking clock you know, it's no. still. I mean, although the times start with he is being hunted in real time here, mm. so there's a tension as they're sort of trying to break into the building. He's sort of shut himself in, doing this gun, and I think he just about gets the gun together as someone gets through the door. Yeah, it's so tense, isn't it? I, I do like that kind of the live, um, the, the real time countdown. So is that in um, Run and Run, which is obviously many years old now, but he uses a similar sort of technique. Um, we mentioned really Run, effective. We, we mentioned Run, Run, Load and Run last week, and I, I yeah, similar sort of thing. Nineteen ninety eight film with um, I'm blanking on her name, but she was born. Uh, Franca, the first born somebody film. or other. Franca Potenka. That's yeah. the one. She was in the first born film in the first few minutes of the second one. Mm-hmm. She's uh, lo- it's three tellings of the of variants on the same story. Uh, it's absolutely brilliant it really is um but then we just this whole sequence i I couldn't as i was watched it in the cinema on first viewing i couldn't stop thinking of jackie chan yeah because it's uh, yeah because it's got a very buster keaton i was thinking it's got that kind of element that um kind of almost uh yeah they did get back to that kind of like classic um comedy sort of very, very physical 
Yes. They say like Buster Keaton kind of style. I think that that was kind of very deliberate um, style choice on. Well, I didn't even think of Buster Keaton because obviously I was just going a- action genre, but but, but then is... again there was yeah, I say that because they do always reference Buster Keaton. They bust, they referenced him like early on. They see like a little uh, like, yeah, that's little true actually. Shot. That was a fun fact coming up. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it feels very impromptu. Uh, what I really like about it is like the constant like throwing of the knives, like missing and then catching, like it's. Um, like you know, when they get stabbed, they don't just like fall over and die. It it it, it, it takes more than just that. It's it's just a multiple amount of knives to have to keep. <laughs> yeah, John Wick has to keep like getting them with, for to sort of get to stay down. Um, it, and it's it just adds to the brutality of the whole thing. <laughs> just think, fuck. And it is shit. I don't. What do I do? Um. Oh, crack that, crack that piece of glass and yeah. grab what's in there. Um. It's kind of brutal as well. That I, I did think of Becca with the knife in the eye bit. Yeah, I looked away at that point. <laughs> and I'm not making fun of you, I promise. No. I thought of you, I thought Becca won't have liked that bit. I was like, ooh. But then the axe in the head is just perfectly shot because he's oh. out of focus and you see him swinging to try and get leverage. No, it's how visceral it is. Like, you can't, it, just, it feels really real and you, can't, you feel that pain. You think, oh. The the axe comes into focus as it hits him in the head, and it looks real. And you just—it really does. It really does. It's really well done. I think you know, no matter how well how deadly they look, um, how deadly they come off. Obviously, you know, sort of the utmost care has been taken whilst whilst preparing them and and choreographing them. But I just think, you know, if, if you can if you can feel it, then they've done their job. What I love about all these action sequences and and all of the all of the little sort of set pieces, because let, let's not hide it, Act One is a selection of set pieces. They they stitch them together very very well, but there's like a couple of minutes of this in the library, and then there's two or three minutes at the doctors, and then there's straight into this, and none of them outstay their welcome. And that's going to be my problem with some of the later bits of the film. This is just zipping along, lovely. But I mean, he just, I mean, obviously this finishes and he kills them all off. It's rather, it's been rather difficult, and he's had to sort of make it work as he goes along. It's been very uh, messy, isn't it? It's not been it's... like a smooth kind of because you know we remember like sort of the action sequences have been kind of very slick, and he sort of takes everyone out like almost like well, effortlessly. It's back, it's, it's Here, it feels like all. a bit of a scrappy kind of struggle for you know. It's like oh, you know, it's the subtle difference between being the sort of aggressor and the defender. I think mm. that in the in, in certainly some of the other films, he he'll go in somewhere hunting someone down, and he's very much on the front foot. Here, it's like shit. What do I do? And he knows yeah. what to do, but he's it's it's much much more improvised, and they've worked that into the action. And I've never thought about that being why it is because he's the cornered one. Yeah. Um, but then we go straight to some stables, which I think do they exist in Central New York? I suppose police have horses, don't they, and stuff like yeah. that. Well, they so do. Nothing. Yes. Yeah, they must do. Of course, you got that in Godfather Three, haven't you? Zaza. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. So he goes. That's one thing I do know. Haven't been to New York. <laughs> and the reaction to this was brilliant because when I when I saw this big screen, this got a lot of laughs. But it wasn't that kind of derisory "What the fuck are you doing?" laugh. It was genuinely a joyous laugh. This is amazing. Where he was like smacking the horses to get them to kick people, <laughs> and again, it looks real. Um, that was all just perfect, and it, and it did. Well, get I think with Keanu Reeves, I think another one of his things is like horseback riding. Like he's a trained horseback rider or something. He's he's very adept in. 
I didn't with horses. Well, he didn't just he didn't learn it for the film. Then it's something he could do already. That's cool. I think so. Yeah, because they kind of this and obviously um, like they sort of like desert scenes or other kind of films. I, that I'm he's sure done he's written involving horse, horseback work. I think I remember reading somewhere. Um, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but no, that's kind of like one of his skills and, and talents, things that he can do. So. Yeah. So that's a really great sequence. He's then going along the streets of New York on a mm. horse. He's great on that horse, doesn't he? <laughs> and he seems to be riding under the railroad. I'm not sure that actually really exists outside of sort of Spider-Man 2. But anyway... Um, well, I've been in New York for a decade. I yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so he's, he's fighting people who were on bikes. And again, he's, he's trying to sort of lean off the horse to shield himself. Mm. And it's just really, really perfectly done. Even the way he sort of ties the guy up and sort of rides the horse out of the place and just drags him along is just perfect. And none of it goes on too long. Yeah. The horse the horse was featured quite heavily in the trailer. And it, it's actually only a couple of minutes of the film. But it's perfect and it's the end of a sort of perfect first act really. Leading to him mm. arriving at a theatre. Yeah. Uh Angelica Euston, isn't it? He's, he's, he arrives at um she she's called the director. And he right. arrives with the um, with the the ticket. the ticket because the woman there's a woman sat in the sort of ticket booth mm. and even that's very old fashioned. Yeah, um, yeah you don't see that anymore, do you? She's not going to let him in. I don't know if you do in the in the United States. I don't think so. No, I think um, the last time I remember using something like that was when I was studying abroad. I think back in o four o five, um, and going to this what can be described as like a, a discount flea, <clears throat> flea pit cinema um, where you would kind of pay on the door and then, and then go in and it was kind of like this really 30s deco style building I think but apart from that I think uh, not in my experience but yeah if any listeners have been to America recently let us know uh, or if you live there you're allowed well, to yeah, or, yeah likewise <laughs> if you actually live um, there on a daily basis so yeah he shows his quote unquote ticket and is immediately let in um, and she is supervising the worst ballet dancer I've ever seen in my life. This woman, this girl falls on her ass about every four seconds for the entire scene. She tries. <laughs> um, but yes, that's what she's doing. She's sat in sort of the front row or at a desk in mm. you know, front of like this theatre teaching dance, effectively. Um, we see some better dancing later. But um, yeah, John comes in and he's just basically looking to seek. That's a ticket because he's seeking passage to safety. And yeah. it's something she can arrange. Um, so he's taken through to the sort of back of the theatre. And this is kind of where, like, you know, we're, we're let's believe that where, like, John Wick started, really, where he, you know, he's really, like, of Russian origin. He's sort of like John uh, Wickovich or whatever. <laughs> Jonovich. <laughs> right. He's, yeah, he's got some, oh, what was it? Jordan. Oh, I can't remember. It's got some like long and involved name. Um, I did have it written down somewhere. <laughs> yeah. All right. Don't worry. About it's, it. it's basically like the Hebrew version of John, but son okay. of John. So it yeah. should be really kind of like John Johnson, but it's not. So. Okay. Um, most of that stuff kind of goes over my head in that, like, there's something with me and these the dialogue scenes in these films that aren't Ian McShane, mm. and and that have him in them that I do tend to tune out. So I will have noticed and known that at various points, but on rewatch, I, I wasn't paying an awful lot of t- attention to what they're saying here. I was waiting for him to be branded on the back and then get to where he's going. She's very reluctant to help him. I think she's aware there could be a cost to it, mm. to her. Um, 
and uh, at the same time, uh, someone turns up at the Continental referring to herself as the adjudicator. I say herself, um, the the character in, the actress in life, I I believe, um, is non-binary and uses they pronouns. Uh, Mm -hmm. But on on, um, synopses I've seen of this film, she's always referred to as she. So um, apologies to anyone listening who's sensitive about that sort of stuff. If we get it wrong, we apologise. But she sees... She's playing... I think think they are playing a woman. So I'm not, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. So I just thought I'd mention that now, and if we get it wrong, we apologise. Yeah, no, fair enough. Apologies. For okay, um, but from now on, because um, staff, uh, because synopses are referring to that person as she, will do the same. So uh, uh, I managed to find his. Um, his yes, his Wix true name is Jordani Jovanovic. There we go. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it just says yeah. Jordan is a Serbian yeah. Hebrew form of the name John. His last name means son of John. Yeah. Um, it's from the Hebrew meanings of the garden. Um, yeah, so there we are. Anyway, sorry to derail. Yeah, so uh, the Bowery Kings, uh, so yeah, she's visiting people. Um, she, she just, she wants to see Winston. She wants to see the body of Santiago who died last time out. Um, she tells Winston he's got a week to clear up his affairs uh, and he will be replaced. Yeah. Uh, bec- and it's not that he allowed... Um, I think it's the the hour, isn't it? It's the, yeah. that he gave an hour's grace. Yeah, so he's, sure. he, he's seen as like you know, obviously he aided your John. pally, you put your you you're you're letting your um, you you your bias you know, take precedent over your your better judgment. So, um, yeah, so he gives him a week. Yeah. Um, again, I I never felt that would come to anything, and it sort of didn't. But we'll get there. Uh, she also meets. Uh, she also uh, goes to see the Bowery King, um, and she she punishes him because she gave John he gave John a gun, and I actually mm. don't remember that. It's yeah. funny we only covered it last week, but I don't remember that bit. Um, Somebody please give oh, this no, man it, a gun. No, no, that was just, great. It's come back to me now. Sorry, that's what he killed Santiago with. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, seven bullets um, given seven days. Yeah, so. Um, and then we cut to Casablanca, where he's, he's sort of immediately set on. Uh, but the fight has stopped. Um, mm. The fight is stopped, and he's given amnesty to go to the sort of Morocco's continental. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I don't know what Moroccan for Ian McShane is, so we'll leave that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we meet, is it Sophia, the Harry Belly character? Yeah, now it was shocking to see Sophia in or, or her in Halle Berry in an action role in a popular film with one male lead, where she's not constantly making fucking puns about his dick. Ornithologist, <laughs> <laughs> well, wow, yeah, that's what? a mouthful. Yeah, talking um, about birds. <laughs> <laughs> what birds they for the birds. They feast on pussies. <laughs> <laughs> like there's like, no tomorrow. Doesn't... All right, um, she's oh, actually. Dear. There's a bit of there's a whiff of stunt casting about this, but she's actually perfectly fine. She's in this. really good. I quite enjoyed Halle Berry in this film. She was absolutely fine. The problem I've got with that is with the whole existence of this act and where it takes us. Yeah, it's well, a bit silly. What, I, mean, I think what, the only what, kind of one Duff film she's done is probably um, the only one Duff Cat film. Woman. Yeah, she's done fucking loads of Duff films. Well, no, I'm sure she has, but when was it really, really Duff? I would probably say it's Catwoman. Catwoman's hilariously bad. But anyway. 
basically when she's in the Catwoman persona, she reminds you of Derek Zoolander with everything. <laughs> yeah. She pulls like blue steel from the all the time. Um so yeah, he goes to see Sophia with a marker. And this is to get to the person who sits above the high table, which is a concept that's never fully explained, but we do get to that in a minute. Um, and she's got dogs wearing bulletproof vests, German shepherds, which is kind ah, of a wrinkle. Not German shepherds. I've got a fun fact coming up about that later on. Are they not German shepherds? We'll nope. Okay. Uh, I can't remember now. But yeah, all right. Um, so, yeah, she shoots him a couple of times in his, well, bulletproof suit, I suppose. Um, luckily. Uh, <laughs> Luckily, the bulletproof vests. Otherwise, it, this would have been a much shorter film. Um, I have got a plot summary in front of me. It refers to um, the sushi shop now, Chris. Oh yes, the zero mm. character. You're yeah. very. We're all fond of, I think, but you you've always gone straight to this guy. Oh yeah, Mark Cascos. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah so he's we... like so iconic. Well, you know, I, I do like Mark Cascos. Won't say he's iconic. I mean, he did play like you know, the a game show host for uh, like a a cookery show called Iron <laughs> Chef or something like that. But, um... No, but I think like Zero is probably one of those all time you know, and especially within within this little you know little series, it's kind of one of those characters that really does stand out. So when the series ends, you may look at, back on him as the highlight. From the bad guys. Well, yeah, it's one of the most memorable characters, I will say. Yeah, to be honest, it was just kind of really nice because Mark Cascos is one of those um, kind of. He does a lot of like you know like sort of straight to video type work. You know, if he is in any mainstream films, it's, he is usually like uh, secondary. I'm surprised he didn't turn up in an Expendables for movie at some point. All right, uh, so he's, he's he's action Robert Forster. Kind of, but base. Basically, yeah. Uh, in the, in career director, but he's always yeah. been particularly good. I mean, I, I remember like watching like a really low budget action film called Drive, and while the film on on is very sort of not that Drive, no, not Ryan Gosling Drive. It was uh, like sort of late nineties. It was uh, very low action. Uh, sorry, very low budget. So it's it's very sort of. Uh, you watch it today, and it's um, the you know the locations and things like that are you know aren't, aren't, aren't particularly great. But you can kind of like just see like the, the stunt work and like you know and that and he's actually good at doing all that. So I've always kind of like happy to sort of see him in something like this, which and a good good actual character as well. You know to actually show off what he can actually do. Um, so it's just it was just nice to see because it's you don't often sort of you know see sort of people who are quite who are talented but don't necessarily get like any any spotlight at all. So it was it, it, it was actually nice to see him in this film. Yeah, and he's not overused actually. His total screen time's not that excessive at all. No, it's actually done really well because mm. it, it, there's you know there's a there's a layer of mystery about him because we we first see he's introduced he, yeah he's introduced with us not learning much other than he's obviously something to do with the assassin sort of bureau because yeah. he recognizes the coins he knows who the adjudicator is it, um he's got some business but all those sort of comedic ep- ep- well it's not even overdone but there's a comedic wrinkle coming up that we'll get to that isn't there in that first scene no so yeah it really works very well and you got two of the guys who've been in the raid films 
I don't think I noticed. Yeah, I love, I love the raid themes. I really love the second raid more, but I like both raid. You themes. have the guy who plays Magdog in the first one, oh. and the and the the fellow who he fights in the kitchen. The kitchen fight is just yeah. one. Oh gosh! Great so you got you got those two guys as working as his main two kind of, you know who 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 the, who he ends up like who John Wick sort of takes on just before it take take on Zero. Okay. But, right. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense now. I don't think I'd ever really put that together. In fact, I don't think it even put together where Zero got his guys from because I was, when when that scene was going on at the sushi store, I was only looking at those two, not not his mm. two co-workers. So I don't think I really twigged. I just thought, well, he obviously got a team together. Okay, um, so we cut back to Casablanca. Basically, John wants to go and see somebody to, t- to take him to the elder, the one who sits yeah. above the eye table. All of this is bollocks. <laughs> But um, she takes him to an Italian guy played by Jerome Flynn. <laughs> which is just the, one of the weirdest bits of casting I can ever remember in my life. It, it, it took me, it was so weird, it took me out of the film. I was, like, would, I was like, is that Jerome Flynn? i got to look it, it up. Oh my God, like yes, it is. casting Joanna Lumley as Shaft. <laughs> <laughs> right? Who's to say? <laughs> Yeah, I mean the problem they have is they've already sort of used uh, Franco Nero, so you can't really you can't have no. like an, an Italian. Tend you of... haven't met me, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's not the only Italian actor in the world, surely? No, no. Um, I, I think that there might be. I think to be honest, I've got a bit of a fun fact. Well, it's not really a fun fact about this later on, but I, th- I think it's um, obviously you've got kind of these of a lot of the. Um, like the dog trainer, for example, was on, um, worked on Game of Thrones. Ian McShane was also in Game of Thrones. Jane Flynn was also in Game of Thrones. I can't tell you if they appeared together or not because I haven't seen it. Um, but I think that's the connection here, really. Um, the sort of threads, you know, sort of coming together. So I think that's why. Yeah, probably you don't why know he's who knows who film. and who has a word in who's here and yeah. Yeah, it's a strange sequence. Well, there there are a lot of blonde. Men in like northern Italy and stuff so it's not even his look it's, it's that I know it's Jerome Flynn he does stand out a little bit uh, <laughs> I think if I'd never seen especially if you're, you know, if you're British for English as well cause you'll, you'll have seen things like obviously like this musical team up with um, Robson Green or um, Soldier Soldier back in the 90s cheesy as fuck that was <laughs> and it was like an advertising campaign for the, the army really because it was aren't these lads great and it's like no That's they're a bit it. They're a bit thick, really. But anyway, kind of previously, it was also in the Ripper Street series, which was which is quite good. I enjoyed that. Um, Black Mirror, always always popular. I haven't seen um, him in a lot in recent years. I mean, I, I saw him in. He, he turns up in various things. I need to look him up now. Actually, no. I saw um, actually. I think was it? Yeah, Levin Vincent, the um, the rotoscope film wasn't really a rotoscope film. Um, I was like we we screened that at our um at our film club. Um, and I was like. I recognise that face. No, I'm aware. Um, I've seen him in a fair bit of Game of Thrones, although I quit, Thrones, I quit Game of Thrones long before the end. Bizarrely, mm. he played Bobby Charlton in a film I saw fairly recently called oh, Beth, right. which was about George Bush. I saw. I didn't see that he was very long. Casualty. Str- he was probably in the bill at some point. Yeah. I do remember him being <laughs> in uh, Between the Lines. I loved that series with Neil Pearson back in the early 90s. That was a really good show. But yeah. He, oh, he, yeah I think I vaguely remember that. Yeah, he, he, yeah, he, he played policeman in that, but because, because yeah. the whole show was about the police investigating themselves, and he was. So now the, we have. Yeah, um, 
So, yeah, I just think this whole this follow the star until you're nearly dead. And I'm thinking, what if you don't know you're nearly dead? Or what if you think I'm not quite nearly dead? I'll wait a bit longer and you die. So or, or what, why, why, just why bother walking? Just sort of stand, just wait. <laughs> yeah, and it's follow that star, follow it to where. I mean, it, it's just this is bollocks. Occasionally, yeah. they just overstep the mark on lore and mythology. They did it a lot in the second one, and they've done it here, to be honest. This makes no fucking sense. It, but it, it gives it, like it a little more mystical kind of element to it, but it's like, oh, I don't know. That stuff, that stuff doesn't work for me, though, particularly when it doesn't make any sense. I mean, holding up like some very ornate cross and claiming it's a ticket, that's fine, because that's just a vagary of that world. But the idea that you find somebody who sits above the high table, well, why would anyone sit behind the behind, above the high table? Why would they be in the arse end of nowhere in Morocco, such that no one quite knows where they are, but you have to follow some weird star? Well, the positions of stars do change at different po points during the year because of where the Earth is. So... It doesn't kind of make a lot of sense, and it, it comes off as a little bit pretentious. Thankfully, it leads into a really, really good action sequence. Yeah, because uh, he decides to he wants one of Sophia's dogs, so she says. Oh, no. and one of the best liners, one liners as well. Uh, they, there's a reference to it's not just a dog. I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not uh, just a puppy. Yeah, it ends up creating this action sequence that not only is a bravura a piece of uh, camera work, but also integrates, must have been planned perfectly because mm -hmm. the dogs appear bang on cue at the right time and disappear bang on cue at the right time. Uh, they've used it, yeah. I, I just really think this is terrific stuff. I don't like the setup. I don't like the reason that it's here, but everyone involved is absolutely terrific in this sequence, including those behind the camera planning it all. Yeah. Uh, Halle Berry throws herself into this as well. So Halle Berry's good at it. I mean, when she played Jinx, not only was she following like Wei Lin, who was a genuine like action star, the actress, um, but she wasn't particularly good at the action either. I mean, that that character was poor, full stop. But Halle Berry wasn't good at it. Here, she's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, here she is. She is fabulous. Actually. What training she's been asked to go through, I don't know. I mean, they they might have been locked down in a camp rehearsing this for three months. You just don't know. They they would have been because I think the, I think. Whereas with, with with Bond, that twat who directed it thought, well, we can just do it all in a computer. Yeah. I don't think she was remotely as prepared for Bond as she is for this. Apparently, she broke three ribs doing training for this. Apparently, so. I did, yeah, I think she did train quite furiously yeah. for it. So I mean, it, it does show. I mean, when when you get the actors to sort of like you know do the training and. I've never, seen one in, I've never seen anyone in real life, and I long may this continue, wielding a gun. I've seen armed people when I've been on holidays and police and stuff like that, but I don't honestly remember somebody wielding a gun. So that's the caveat to what I'm about to say, but she looks convincing with it. She looks like she's been trained to wield it properly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, because well, she has been, really. She, yeah. like, she, <laughs> she, she would have been like, right, it's guns training, this is what you do, and like, you know the salt course and things like we've seen like kind of Reeves do you know sort of you know get to aim shoot it reload it you know it's like it it does yeah it looks a bit sound stagey I'll say that but apart from that the way the camera is moving around these sort of mm. interconnected unfinished structures almost it's it's almost like rooms with no walls you've you've got like the struts at the corners of rooms and like bit of the foundation do you know what I mean and then mm. part walls and it works really, really well. And they are both in the shit a couple of times. And, so, and the dogs save them. 
by yeah. biting on the balls. So I really like all this. Yeah. I think it's really great. I've got the. This is one of the worst acts overall of any of John Wick, just for where it went. But as a piece of action, it's justified us being here. Uh, and yeah. Meanwhile, we see the adjudicator um, and Zero basically sort of just go around just slaughtering, slaughtering uh, people to go to, go to see. Um, I think she, they, 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 they go to go to the director. Go to Angelica they go to Houston. Angelica Houston and cut her on the hands and stuff. Yeah. Like, and then and then there's like it, there's always like a line that's sort of like it's always repeated by quite a few characters say like uh, I I I've always I, served. Uh, I have served. I will be of service. Yeah. That's um, the line. And they're um, asked to show their fealty. Mm. And you just think, fuck me, what a horrible world this is now. Well, you know? yeah, I think it's setting up like just how oppressive the high table have been. They kind of like start to yeah. kind of yeah. bully their their way in now. You know, like whatever things they they were able to do, they kind of like, well, we didn't like that. We're step, we're stepping the mark. It is killing the not wish fulfillment because none of us want to be killers. But when you see these films with assassins in, particularly with the sort of ornateness of where they go to eat and mm. what they wear although you wouldn't want to do it there is a little bit of wish fulfillment in watching it it's like there's elements of that lifestyle that are attractive and this is undermining it a bit but then i suppose Doc john did leave that life voluntarily mm. so i don't know it's not a major complaint but yeah they go in they they don't slash on the Bowery King. That's not the same thing at all. Uh, they, cut, they, they, they cut him seven Zip. times because they gave him a gun with seven bullets or whatever it yeah. was. Seven cuts. Uh, I actually thought he was killed at the time because he did sort yeah. of slump to the floor, but they both both survived. It's just basically a punishment. Um, but they Stabs. also, they also uh, sets up like Zero as really for, formidable villains, you know, him and his team. You think like, fucking hell, John's going to have his work out. I mean, yeah, they stab right through her hands. I, yeah, don't they? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's kind of brutal, and she she plays the character very emotionless. So she's got no punk compunction about it. A bit of smugness, though. A little bit of like, yeah, like oh, oh. She's not someone you can reason with, though. No. Or well, maybe she is a little bit towards the end, but not really, not really, uh, for the vast majority of the film. So John and Sophia go to the desert. He signs the marker with his blood. Um, she's she, got some. She gives yeah, him some water, which he just happily spits in it. <laughs> uh, well, oh, I thought was she, it gross. she gives most of it to the dogs. Do it. Puts the dregs that are left in her mouth, swills it round a bit, and spits it back into the bottle. Yeah, I think that's. A bit, I don't know why she does that. It's a bit gross. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, we've already done the Bowery King bit, but eventually he does collapse. Mm is into cut and he wakes up kind of under an awning a tent face to face with this guy um i don't like this so he's basically told to he, he basically sort of says oh what do you want it's like i want to keep on living to remember so that's what's kind of drive apparently driving him he just wants to he wants to live so he can remember his his deceased wife essentially um but he said like well You've got a choice. You could be dying. You could either die now, or you could live, but ser- but continue your life of service. Yeah, but I mean, the first thing he's asked to do, well, he's got to prove his fealty, 
and he pr- has to prove it by giving him the wedding ring, but mm. taking the f- wedding ring finger off again. Bit of an Assassin's Creed thing because they used to cut the fingers off to avoid the hidden blade. Oh yeah. Uh, although that went by Assassin's in the le- the later Assassins didn't have that because. In the game's lore, I think it's Da Vinci, um, invents a device where you don't have to cut your finger off. And they brand their finger instead, like almost where the wedding ring would go. But anyway, cuts the finger, hacks the finger off, gives him the ring, which all seems a bit over the top. And the first thing he's asked to do is go and kill Winston. And I just think that just, I don't get that at all. They've got people already there that are, are dealing with Winston I don't know that this would need to come from on high and have John in in the same way. This strikes me as odd. Well, I, I get this. Go back to my original. It just idea. seems to be an excuse to just get him back to New York. I mean, yeah. I mean, to go back to like what I thought they were going to do, have John stick his neck out here. You could potentially sort of see like potentially saying, "Oh, I want you to kill Winston," and him having to cut his finger off to kind of like, well, well. I'm going to have to get back and try and save him. To, you know, do you know what I mean? I thought yeah. that, that could be a potential thing, but I mean, they don't really do that because... It's kind of there, but it's yeah. not there. Yeah, but, okay. But I, I, but I could kind of thought, all right, that could be the thing where I, he kind I just of goes... think, like, the whole point, he, he's just struggled all the way through that big action sequence, yeah. meeting Soldier Soldier... Uh, going to going through the desert and nearly dying, being woken up with God knows what sort of heat stroke, losing a finger to get the sort of uh, you know the 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 contract on him cancelled on the basis that he will now kill Winston, and the moment he goes back to New York, he just shits on that, which makes apart from the action sequence and the nice visuals, Act Two a complete waste of our time. I tell you the problem I have with I it. I just wonder if J.J. Abrams wrote it. I, I, I tell you the problem I have with it is you think back to the second film where you know he shoots you know Antonio Domio whatever in, in the face. Yeah. You know, in the continental like pretty much knowing that's a death sentence. Yes. Like so he's already like at that point accepted his death. So at this point, and he's like, right, well. What, why is what he are not, you running from? His, I mean, like, as, why has he knocked his nuts off then to get a way out of it? It's like, yeah, it's it's like, but not only that, and you know, maybe it's like a bit more of a romantic element of it. But someone who's like, it was strongly willed, and as John Wick, and and he, he loves his wife so much. I don't think you know cutting his finger, his wedding finger, as a symbol would ever be. Up for discussion, you'd like I, I, you know, I thought, no, he'd sooner die, surely. You'd be like, no, fuck you. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I, I, if he would do it for anyone, he would do it for her memory. I think we just got to give it a pass and move on because I, we're not arguing this is a bad film, but this is where I sat watching the film thinking they're getting a bit self-indulgent on the lore again. It's not quite as heavy-handed as two, but this film is now too long. And a whole act of the film has actually turned out to be a bit of a waste of time, although mm. I, did, I didn't know that for another scene. Um, so what saved this film is, is all the things we've talked about. The action's really good. Halle Berry's really good. 
you know, so much of this film was working really well, but as a narrative sort of road to go down, this was a bit of an error. But it's okay. He heads back to New York now. Yeah. In a um, suit. Um, we arrive at Grand Central Station. Yeah. Um, which looks which is, great. Which looks great. It always looks great. Mm. Um, I love the fact, yeah, Zero's there and they're eyeing each other, which reminded me a bit of the first film. Um, and he's he's awestruck. It's John Wick, mm. which I love. That really plays out yeah. an almost childish element to him as we go on. There's... Um... Yeah, the, obviously there's there's people, other people there waiting for him, which like uh, zeros uh, guys take care yeah. of them, and sort of like, I was like, this way, Mister Wick, <laughs> almost like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, he heads back to the Continental, which has now been deconsecrated, which mm. basically means it's it's now not sacred ground. You can spill blood on it, and that's a precursor to. Oh, the we're, we're, we're missing the uh, the bike chase. Oh yes, because 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 Zero is not fully aware of like the the fact that. Oh yeah, of course they get after him on bike. That scene is extraordinary, actually, just from a Campbell work perspective, because so much of it seems to be one take, and I'm just thinking, Mm. I don't know how they're doing this. Yeah, I mean, how many times they have to go up and down the same road to get every beat in it right? I mean, I wonder. I wonder if they did do it in like one take or maybe you know a couple of takes. Probably didn't take them long. I don't know. I mean, there are there are changes of angle and stuff, Mm. but. That lot shots are held for a very very long time, and they move around them and things like that. Um, it's another thing. It did remind me of the horse scene. There's a you know a lot of forward momentum in some of the action in New York. It's really good. It's, the vehicle uh, based stuff. It's just think about this. Lots of set pieces though, and it's constantly moving. So it's just one of the good parts of this film. Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, so yeah, so he, he just about gets back to the Continental and gets his hand on the step, doesn't yeah. he? And then yeah, That's so it. and then he sort of like said, oh, but you know he's excommunicated, and but yeah. Carol tells him to do one. So yeah, and it, then, yeah, it hasn't been deconsecrated at that point. Yeah. But even so, Sharon would probably pretend it hadn't been. He isn't going to know any different at that stage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah, this is where he sort of like, goes to like speak with Winston. But this is where we have a Elo's little chat with Zero because Zero sits and waits with him. Um, and it's almost like... And, yeah. yeah, but he sits right next to him. He sits, he's, he's almost on his lap. He's sat so close to him. <laughs> John gets up and gets into an armchair. They sit on like a three-seater sofa. John's they're they're doing side. social distancing. And the guy's not just in the middle. He's heading towards John's side and right next to him. And John just gets up and plonks himself in a seat. <laughs> Excuse me, I'll just sit here. talk a bit about the dog. And you could just see he's awestruck. And he sort of like you know, slide, slides into the next one. And he's sort of like, you know, he's just like... I've got to say, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nice quote. I like that's what you did there. Yeah. Yeah. I missed that reference at the start, but yeah, picked it up as we went along. But he goes up to this room to meet, like, Winston. And I think it's fair to say I've got problems with the film from now on. It, it's not that any of it's bad. It's just on a rewatch. It's too long. I enjoyed it to start yeah. with. Although I thought he was fighting the henchman far, far too long. And by the time he'd been kicked through like the fourth glass screen, I thought, yeah, that, that'll do. I've got the idea. Um, <laughs> but the gist, the gist is, he's back looking at his best. I mean, he's missing a finger, but he's back in this nice black suit. And he's talking to Winston. And Winston's in a room where they can't hide anything because everything's glass. So that's deliberate because he's, he's got it in his mind that John probably is coming to kill him. Uh, but John refuses. John refuses to kill him, immediately shitting on act two of the film. 
But it makes sense for the character. It just doesn't make sense for the film. Yeah. Um, so the adjudicator says, right, well, neither of you will... Yeah. Boom, so basically so... you're deconsecrated and basically we're all after you. Yeah. And then so he says, like, okay, are, are my privileges still uh, revoked? He's like, oh, absolutely. There's, you, you have full access. So the, he gets uh, tooled up. And he gets tooled two... up. <laughs> tooled up, in it. He, and uh, basically two coachloads of uh, armed. Yeah, they basically go into like a room that's sort of a, a glorified oversized safe, really. Mm. But it's yeah, comfortable it's a massive safe. <laughs> Winston could sit and have a drink with a lovely old antique phone. Um, and they just, him and Sharon get like, yeah, tooled up. Oh, um, <laughs> to go out and face all these guys. Uh, but the adjudicator had dropped a line about um, the quality of their armour, or mm. Sharon might have done anyway, that they were going to be, things had moved on. They were wearing better armour. And John thinks he's killed the first couple, and they, they're still moving. Yeah. So it's taking a lot more effort to take these people down. They're basically, armour is quite resistant to all but the most sort of uh, powerful weapons. So after a period of this, they have to get back in there to get... Guns, lots of guns. Mm. Um, and at I the think meantime, that's another Matrix callback, isn't it? It is. Uh, that's a deliberate Matrix callback, yeah. yeah. The adjudicator, in the meantime, is calling Winston constantly, and Winston's just hanging up on her. Yeah, that's, that's another uh, John Wick thing, just sort of just ringing up and not saying anything. Just <laughs> Yeah. Do we want to say much else about this action? Uh, other than that, it's, it, it's pretty good. I mean, it's frustrating the fact that like the other Continental Guards doesn't really pick up on the fact that they're, like the other guys are bulletproof till they get killed. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, all the support is killed very quickly. But they're, they're almost there for a body count. Yeah. Because we're focused on two guys. I thought they might go far enough to kill Sharon, but they don't. I thought it was possible, you know, if yeah. one of, if if a major character was going to be expendable, the fact that he went out there with John th- made me think maybe he'll go, but he didn't. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. So, but he basically takes out the, you know, the uh, high table uh, henchman, which leaving with Zero and his two guys. Yeah, as it's it, yeah, and as it's starting to go wrong, the adjudicator gets hold of Winston and says, "We need to parlay." Yeah. And he does take that call and says, fair enough. And then we're left with basically the glass room fight mm. with his two henchmen and Zero himself. And I just thought this went on too long. It's not that it's bad. I think... I think I it does drag a little bit. I would have to agree with you there, Dave, to be honest. I mean, it's a really really good really good sequence, but it kind of goes on and on and on and on and on. And it's like, as you say, how many glass screens, how many four million... <laughs> It felt like he was being kicked through one every two seconds. I mean, I'm exaggerating it in my mind, I'm sure. It's it's well done, but yeah, it did go on a little bit. Sorry, Chris. You do have, like, the levity of, like, even the henchmen are going, like, you know, oh my god, it's John Wick, isn't it? And they're, and they're, yeah, but, you know, he's. How much it's of a, a bit slow. Can we get away without taking He's a bit slow, yeah, but he's still John Wick. Yeah. And they're almost like, you know, Helping him back up and shit like that when he's like uh, this kind of thing. But yeah, there's at one point they're, they're like you can see they're a bit. We have we taken enough of a beating to give up and pretend we're we're out. Yeah. And John sort of goes along with it. Yeah. And then it's him and Zero. Yeah. Um, it's funny he spends way too long on the henchman and Zero's over quite quickly. 
ends up impaling him on a sword, basically. And Zero's like, I'll catch up with you. <laughs> it's just uh, a flash wound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then jo- John slumps. Yeah, John says, no, no, you won't. And just heads up onto the roof where Winston's there with the adjudicator. Um, Winston basically, yeah, I think they just agree that Winston can um, keep the place if he um, shows his fealty yeah. by killing John shooting John so he shoots John several times um, and it's not quite clear whether again we, we, we're not sure if those are penetrating him or not at this stage or bouncing off or whatever but he falls off the roof and it's that shot I've got a problem with I, I didn't want to see that shot we should have seen him go off the roof and the next thing we know there's nothing there because, it, the way... because it just looks a bit too far fetched like someone would fall like that high that hard and still survive Oh uh, yeah, the, the the way he lands, the way he hits things on the way down, you just think, God, that would break every bone in his body. It yeah. looks brutal, doesn't it? It looks painful, like, doesn't it? It makes Daniel Craig falling at the start of Skyfall super plausible. <laughs> um, it, it was ludicrous, and then you know he's he's kind of out of there very quickly. Um, but yeah, so Winston has got the Continental back. Mm-hmm. I think he's aware he hasn't killed John, um, but it's left a little bit ambiguous. Uh, the adjudicator leaves, but obviously she goes to check and John, she comes back and says John's disappeared. Um, and the TikTok man has him in a cart. Jason Manzoukas mm-hmm. has him in like a shopping trolley. Uh, the dog runs out, aware of what's seemingly aware of what's going on. He's <laughs> continental to find John. And he's tipped, he's in some alley tipped, or some sewer or whatever it is, tipped out, out in front of the Bowery King. And... Um, yeah, he yeah. asks if John's pissed like, off. It's like, oh, they took a finger, ain't that a bitch? Yeah, and he's like, yeah. And that's it. I'm and thinking I'm pissed off. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. I was, that's a good impression. I don't know. If it had all been as strong as, for me, if it had been all as strong as the first act, we'd have had just an absolute work of genius. As it is, there's enough action in it, and the action's the best of the series so far. There's enough in it to justify its existence. And when we say it's too long... It's not three hours or something. It's just incrementally getting a little bit baggier each time and the writing's getting just a little bit less sharp. But it's got, you know, a really good, I suppose he's a henchman in this. Um, the Winston stuff with John is still gold. Uh, Keanu Reeves is still great. There's plenty about this film to like and, and to watch Halle Berry this good at the age she is as well and uh, kind of washing away the stink of some of the action films she's done away in, in the past as well is great. So, it's it's high praise for the film. It's just it's a little bit weaker than the first one. Probably a little bit stronger than the second one for me. Hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of yeah with you on that. Really, um, the action's probably the best in the series. Uh, it it it's it's really fun watch. It it, it looks great. You got you know, ev- you know everyone's good in it. I just wish the plot was thought out, thought through a little bit better, or maybe we got something different than we got. Um, well, I mean, it's not as bad as The Rise of Skywalker, but do you remember when we were talking, in fact, it's not bad, full stop, Yeah. but when we watched The Rise of Skywalker, and we got to a point in the film where we said, you do realise the first half of the film has now been a waste of our time, because they've gone on a load of elaborate fetch quests that ended up meaning nothing. I felt like that about Act 3, Act 2 of this film. We got to the end of it, and he shot on it immediately, and I thought, well, 
why, why the fuck did he bother going to Casablanca? Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, it's not it's not that well written. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's probably more thinking of like, well, let's let's go a different location and let's do some action. Well, that's the like truth, that. of it, isn't it? Let's yeah. let's just get a different color palette and different environment. That's not a bad um, instinct. Yeah. Because um, at the end of the day, that, yeah, it's the action that sells, isn't it? Really. Um, but uh, but there you go. Uh, but uh, but other than that, it's it's a fun watch, really enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to the next one. Um, who knows? They might actually sort of turn it around and make it make a bit more sense. But who? Will, will yeah, I'm kind of getting to the wonder, wondering the same. I kind of we were talking earlier about um, doing. Fast and Furious movies somewhere along the line, uh, coming soon. But um, the kind of the as much as the earlier film started off about the cars, and it's also about the family. Um, the stunts get bigger and bigger and sillier and sillier. And I kind of hope that I mean, you know, as much as I enjoyed the third instalment, um, I hope that it kind of will, yeah, kind of not you know start not that it's kind of going off the rails, but um, it won't kind of follow that pattern of becoming more and more outrageous. Um, there are with... danger signs, I think. <clears throat> yeah, I think having Keanu at the centre will help to make it grounded for sure. It sounds like you've had a really good time with the trilogy and this film. I enjoyed it. Thank you for bringing it to my attention. <laughs> yes, we just got on Skype and pointed at it. Went, yes, look, there's look. this film. We stuck the video on. Went look. The lead man is quite hot. So that's it, John Wick done for the time being. Thank you so much um, for waiting, everybody. I promise you, next time I won't leave a three-month gap. Well, I'll we try did, not to. We did put out a show last week, to be fair. So that's uh, this is the second one back. But the trouble Women, is, I don't know. Trouble is though. I'm lacking knowledge, and I think during a lockdown, I should be improving my mind. What about you, Chris? I don't know. I feel the same, Dave. Uh, but you know, I think what might work if we, because um, I know we we've watched the film quite a few times, haven't we? Oh, I've um, seen it several times. Yes. Yeah, I think we should probably watch someone who's maybe seen it once, move, you know, maybe <laughs> give us some fresh perspective on it. So you think you, you, you guys think, know more than me? I'm sure. So you, so you think we can learn a lot from someone relatively uh, unfamiliar with the film? <laughs> yeah. So 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 who's so new to the series? <laughs> Sounds like a plan, Becca. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> do it. I wrote them down. Um. Yeah, I've had to go back and quickly find more fun facts because you did them all already. Sorry. Um, no, that's okay. So obviously, this film starts off. Um, is dedicated to Michael Nyquist, um, who appeared in the first film. So the film, you know, the third film is, is dedicated to him, which I think is, is very lovely. Um, fun fact number two, obviously, Parabellum. Um, I won't go pronouncing the Latin, but it's basically if you, um, if you, you know, if, if you, you want, want peace, peace prepare, for, prepare war. for war. Basically, it's that classic phrase. And it's also something to do with the chamber of the gun. I don't know too much about it. Um, so yeah, fun fact number three, they're not German shepherds. Um, Sophia's dogs are... Um, Belgian Malinois, um, but yeah, they're often trained a lot to do like police work as well. But they're also mainly pastoral herding dogs. Um, I think in the kennel club, at Crafts, they come under the um, pastoral uh, category. Um, yeah, really versatile. They do sort of herding, police work, um, assistance work. Um, also great family pets as well. But they are very lovely, and their noses are very beepable. Um, fun fact number four: other actors considered for the role of um, Sophia Sophia. I can never pronounce her name. Um, include Eva Longoria. Uh, Salma Hayek, Uma Thurman, who I think would have been awesome. 
Um, Marion Cotillard would have been also incredible. Um, And Marissa Tomei, definitely. Um, All those ladies would have kicked ass, but... Yeah, I fancy most of them. (laughs) (laughs) I must say, epic crush here on... um, Well, for sure. Um, And then, yeah, as I kind of mentioned, I think with the... um, with your dream, Flynn, I think Game of Thrones does have um, have a big impact here, definitely. Um, but yeah, as I mentioned earlier, they both of them have appeared in Game of Thrones, so that's my five not very fun facts about John Wick 3. That's fun, folks. I'm not very convincing there, am I? And I think no, it's because I was... from the dog facts. <laughs> um, no, it's because I was busy thinking about the conversation where they said, who's the most swarthy Italian man we can cast? <laughs> How about, how about that guy who looks like a retired East End London boxer? <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's really good in that, that BBC series, you know, that's kind of set in the East End of London. So that's kind of that's that? like that. Or, um, oh, I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Oh, I can't remember. I don't Ripper Street, that was it. Yeah, oh, was it about Jack the Ripper? Yeah, yeah. Or was it, was, it just people farting a lot? Oh, of course yeah. it's about Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that's why. Right. It literally went one in here and out the other. No, it's um, about Australian slang. Oh, <laughs> or you know, pop up in a show kind of like you know, Peaky Blinders, like that that kind of kind of era, the sort of like twenties, thirties, forties. Um, it should be in some kind of like gangster flick, but no, he pops up unconvincingly. But uh, you know, he gives a memorable performance, and you you know, yeah, it's memorable, and it, I don't think it's all awful. Can't speak for the quality of the accent because I don't really remember, but it, it's just it's Jerome Flynn. It's just really odd. Yeah, it takes you out of the film. What, so. what, what was that show where he played like a vet or something or like some sort of? It was it was a BBC show. I think it was some sort of I don't know. I'm trying to think, I, I, he played he, a vet. Oh, he, oh, he played some animal sort of like welfare kind of guy. Um, All right, I, I have to look him up. I'm probably I'm wrong, but I'm kind of but I'm, I'm trying when I think about it. I always think of that Alan Partridge pitch where he sort of says, "Well, he's well, you know, he's a." Uh, He's radical. You know, well, yeah. well, well, he's, he, he's not, you know, he'll bend the rules. I mean, he might, he might go like uh, 100 on the motorway or something. Yeah, 80 on the motorway. So he, if you want to get somewhere quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. I, I love the fact he made a swallow. Oh. He made him bulimic as well. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, it is in a series called Badger. It's a drama about a police wildlife liaison officer and others it. who help fight wildlife crime. Set in the rural county of Northumberland. That'll be it. Chris was halfway through the first episode. Well done, well done. He realised he got it confused with Beaver. And... Sorry, anybody else that we know? <laughs> that's, this... that's, that sounds like such a partridge pitch, though, doesn't it? This is what a badger. Stone from Price on Chronicle Street. He's a bit of a maverick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, first, se- first episode of the first series of I'm Alan Partridge. For what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where he's having a conversation with the chief commissioning editor of the BBC and desperately pitching TV ideas, and <laughs> they get increasingly stupid. And in his book, uh, "I Partridge," we need to talk about Alan. He talks about Swallow at greater length, and it's brilliant. <laughs> not that. That'd be a great series. Well, again, we tune in under a complete misapprehension. <laughs> <laughs> First off, Beaver wasn't rude and turned out to be called Badger anyway. And now, I've, I've tuned in to Swallow and it's just about some copper dealing with graffiti. Yeah, vandalism is his specialism. Yeah. That's niche television. 
All right. As for social media, you can find me at the Plastic Kid nineteen seventy six on Twitter. Well, if you find me on Twitter on Simmetronics, you can also uh, find all the old episodes on Simmetronics.co.uk. You can follow us on Twitter at ExpectusToTalk. We're also the same on YouTube. And if you want to, you can drop us an email, ExpectusToTalk.com. Um, you can also find us on all the places you would usually find podcasts. So like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, Podbay, Podbox, other things that may have not been created yet. And on the assumption this is released on either the Saturday or the Sunday of this week, uh, the week we recorded it, uh, on Sunday evening at 7 o'clock, uh, if you go to the Esquire page on Facebook or Twitter, um, there is on YouTube, a, I think. There is a Q&A session with uh, Piers Brosnan as a sort of a compliment to a viewing of GoldenEye. Um, so if you follow us, um, Becca, your Twitter handle? Um, okay. I have to explain it because it's quite complicated. <laughs> It's not that complicated. It's RV movies. <laughs> yeah, it's literally at R, like the letter R, view movies. Um, yeah. Or I uh, might do it under ours. What I'll do is, I'll, but before it happens, I'll let you know. It'll be from mine or, or from, our, from some, our one. Some variant of us, or do you expect us to talk, will be likely commenting somewhere on social media. Okay. Um, we were going to go to the Fast and the Furious next. Now, on the, on the basis was that we did a Bond commentary. We did the second cut of A View to a Kill. And we all said, well, it's three weeks of John Wick, so we don't want to do another Bond commentary in three weeks, but that was four months ago. That was so, more than three months ago. <laughs> so we're going to do a Bond commentary, and it is Becca's choice. Which oh, means, dear. Becca? Well, I tried to get easy on you this time. It means, do you expect to talk or return with a Bond commentary, which will be Quantum of Solace? <laughs>